everyone! Welcome back to Weekly Manga Recap. It's February the 8th of 2023, which means it's the first Weekly Manga Recap of the month because I was sick last week and did not feel like doing a show that would require me to talk for approximately two hours. So I didn't, and Quinn was very understanding about it. I cried a little, but it's okay. Um, As long as you're feeling better, I'm happy. That's all right. Uh, I think that I cried at some point while I was sick, too. Uh, You know, (laughs) it just wasn't fun. Uh, literally, I, I I feel better than I have felt in like two weeks at this That's point. Incredible. So I'm 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 ready to talk about so yeah, much. I mean, <laughs> do we even want to talk about manga? It's just a toast to your good health, you know, prost and all that. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about let's talk about three weeks of manga next week. <laughs> oh, man. Eventually, we just reached a point where we've we've have like uh like an event horizon of manga to talk about, guys. We have seventeen chapters of One Piece to catch up on. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. It's going to be a long episode. It's just the One Piece this the week. There's no time for anything else. I'm not even sure we'll have time for all the One Piece chapters, to be honest. It, uh, the title of the podcast just becomes Weekly <laughs> Recap. Uh, I know we talk th- about just stuff. Uh, well, Nick, we can at least start off on a good note, because we only have to recap one chapter of My Hero Academia. Uh, sadly, that I think because Horikoshi got sick. Uh, but... We only have to talk about one this week. Well, you know, it's uh, once Nick gets sick, then everyone's got to get sick. Everyone chasing the trend of, of the getting <laughs> Nick sick. Nick was a trendsetter. He was getting sick before everyone else was. He's like, oh, just copy yeah. me. Yeah, that's Whatever, right. Nerds. I got I got sick before it was a meme. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> uh, we uh, wish uh, Horikoshi the best uh, in getting better. It sucks whenever a mangaka has any form of physical ailment uh, that uh, keeps them from making making stuff because sometimes it really sticks and that's yeah. terrible. Uh, so all the best to you, Horikoshi. Uh, please make Jiro be an awful one. Thank you. So <laughs> He's like, well, it was such a nice sentiment. I guess I have to do it. Right. That's what that's what you gotta do. It's like it's like asking you know the the the, the boss of the mafia for a favor on Aww. his daughter's wedding. You know you just gotta like time it out. Well, it's like you know well wishes for getting sick. Also do this thing. It's like well I am bound by the <laughs> the Witcher esque laws of <laughs> my word is my bond. So <laughs> you got me. Uh, that's a good episode, man. <laughs> That's what I miss. That, that that's what I miss. A bit. That's what that's what season two needed more of. Just like cool, cool like one episode stories yeah. like that. That, but anyway. Um, so last time we talked about my hero, Lady Nagant uh, had shown up to save the day in contribution to Gentle actually saving the day, and he did Gentle doing a much bigger thing. But she shot off Shigaraki's hand, and that was pretty uh-huh. damn awesome. Uh, she. We see like the, I don't know, five minutes before she did that uh, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, showing that, yeah, she essentially just got out of her hospital bed. It was just like, I got to go help stumbled to where to a rooftop perch, shot a bullet, and then she's just bleeding everywhere. It's an incredibly uh, cool panel of like the shot of her preparing her second bullet. And she's just bleeding in the rain and the blood is like splattering off her because it's like this high intensity wind. It's a very cool visual. Yeah, 
So, uh, you know, she we there's a couple details of this. Like, you know, we see, of course, you know, like the importance of what, you know, Deku did in like getting her faith and trying to be a hero restored. Also, Rocklock was there. And uh, it's like, look, I'll go just trust her. Let her go shoot a bullet. What's the worst that could happen? Yes, <laughs> it'll all work out, man. Come on. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to go have a bunch of people tell me what racism is all about. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, I, I do think that this is having Rocklog have this bit because, I mean, he he's kind of had that kind of recurring thing of like, oh, he was also influenced by Izuku uh, at, at different points. So it's like, hey, you know, we're going to kind of keep it that theme of like, hey, these are some of the most important people that Deku has uh, influenced in his time as a young hero. So they're, they're kind of like, the, there's that common thread between them. So that's nice. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, the gods like just reiterates, like, this is my reason for like doing this, for trying to do all this stuff. Shoots her bullet after having shot off Shigaraki's hand and it catches him in uh back, I think, judging by the impact lines and the angles they're going off of them i thought it was his, uh, i thought it was his and hand he gets shot that gets shot off because you could you could see his i hand guess so yeah on. there is there's yeah. a little hand it's so he can't there. touch yeah, anything yeah. and do his little his little shigaraki magics his little He's his little, little tricks <laughs> he can't do his little mischiefs <laughs> little mischiefs Disintegrating entire city and all the people contained there. He, he can't be a little. <laughs> he can't be a little bit of a stinker if both of his hands are gone. That time that he killed the great hero Exilus and also the even greater hero Crust. A little, a little bit of mischief. <laughs> mischief maker. <laughs> he can't do it now. His little oh, handsies. His fing. His fingies are gone. <laughs> and that's the gesture that he has to make every time that he uses his powers. <laughs> I'm going to get you when they touch you and erase you disintegrate from existence. Like, oh, I feel like the build up to the execution, they're totally very different. <laughs> Oh my god, every single thing that he has ever done, but it's just precursored with, I'm going to get Ooh, you. Watch out! <laughs> Got your nose! <laughs> I don't like this man. <laughs> He's more terrifying now. Oh, uh, I don't know what's more pathetic, that visual or what All for One actually does in this moment. Where he just like, is like, fuck you, fuck He's all like, of all you. you bitches, all of you bitches suck so much, you fucked me over. Oh, how dare you after I tried to turn you into a human bomb. Turn against me. Why don't you? You bitch. <laughs> no respect in this business. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just like really, really angry about this while internally he's just clutching his chest while he bleeds everywhere while everything goes wrong. And then... uh Oh, Shigaraki is, you know, he's still his, he's deep little down fingies in there coming somewhere. out. They're pop. He's got his little fingies and they're coming out of his out mouth, mouth to tear his jaw apart. Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Imagine Shigaraki's entire life fork page long speech in that voice. Now, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Shigaraki chooses this moment to seize back control of his body. Uh, just saying, like, I mean, it, yeah, like, it, it's not really a big surprise, but it is a nice, dramatically appropriate moment for it to happen, of him just saying, hey, uh, so I didn't like this whole thing where you tried to take over my body so that you could use me as a puppet to achieve all your goals. Fuck all of this. I'm going to do what I want to. As I have said multiple times, every time that we have had an interaction, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want and destroy everything. I don't care about all of your stupid machinations and bullshit. Uh, and he he does also say, like, oh, I hit away my core and I've been slowly getting control back. And like, okay, yeah, that, that, yes. that's, yes, okay, sure, that makes sense. He, he is the actual, like, antagonist of this plot, not all for one, so. Um... In his last few moments of control over the body, uh, All for One tries to get the recently arrived Kurogiri to warp him over uh, to... Wait. No, he's, he actually says All for One on there. I'm guessing he must mean that he wants to be warped to... Oh, no, he wants to be warped over to the other All for One. So that's what's going on there. So uh, he wants to be warped over. Uh Shigaraki does and Kurogiri is very confused because he just woke up uh, and also he's two different people right now uh, as the bits of the person that he used to be is also kind of freaking out so uh, Shigaraki reiterates like look I'm not going to be a pawn of all for one I, I just want to destroy everything that is linked to my past everything that has to do with that house that I've suffered all that misery in and the only hope that I have is to destroy everything that has ever stemmed from that and he fully emerges from all, all for one's control takes back control of the body and then Deku charges in uh, and they both go flying over the edge of the floating prison. Uh, also, Shigaraki takes a moment to, to mock Midoriya, saying, like, look, the only thing that's going to save me is if I destroy everything. So, uh, And Deku, of course, is thinking to himself, like, okay, Shigaraki's got his quirks back, so I can't fight him where everyone is. Uh, I've got to take him somewhere else. And there is a confusing moment where we kind of just see like the few people who are able to see this happening as Deku takes Shigaraki off the battlefield into somewhere else which include uh, Gentle seeing him while he's using his powers to keep the, everything bouncing upward, Mirio reacting and also someone with a phone camera which it took me a few glimpses at before I remembered it that, oh right yeah, we established like business, business course, course guys somebody like that yeah are recording this and this detail seems to be because like this is Deku's big tri you know climactic like appearance as a hero before the world similar to the moment uh, where All Might had it that was caught on film that Deku was inspired by that appears to be where it's going from here uh, and we finish this chapter with a really cool like page and two-thirds spread of Shigaraki and Deku squaring off in this ruined town with the floating prison up above them as Deku says like I can't let you destroy everything but I also can't pretend that I didn't see you crying in there uh, so yeah 
Really cool moment to to close close this on as we end up going into uh, a break for my hero. Yeah, I, I think this was a pretty little cool uh, chapter. A lot of action going on here. A lot of just phenomenal art. Um, so mm. I hope poor Koshi takes all the time that he needs to rest because uh, he definitely put his whole art OC into this chapter, and uh, it shows. Yeah, Nick, would you like to co sign so, out? He put his whole art we'll OC into this chapter. What is that? Uh, mean? His whole art pussy. His whole art ussy. Come on, oh. Nick. You've heard about oh, this. Right. It was. Ussy? It got. It was like what Times Word of the Year. Not art ussy, but just the suffix ussy or something like that. Was it? it I don't. Like... I, can't, I can't remember what publication it is. I would have to like spend some time to go back, but I know it definitely was. And the reason I know is because they were like the ref for the example they gave to explain it to like a calzone could be referred to as a pizza ussy because it's kind of like a pizza hole. And I was like, I'm never calling a calzone anything else but a pizza ussy from <laughs> now on. I got one pepperoni pizza ussy, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, really good stuff. I'll, I'll look it up, uh, in a moment. Uh, I uh, will not co-sign anything that has that <laughs> suffix on it. <laughs> uh, Nick, we have to talk about Undead Unluck. We have two chapters of this, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of yes. be a little bit quick when I, we have a two-chapter thing to talk about. Uh, the first one was number 144, Next Ring, and we open getting a very, very brief glimpse at what essentially is Void's backstory is like he was a destitute kid on the street. Uh, a cop kind of takes an interest in him and is like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know what? Two of you could have walked anywhere else. He's like, well, I'm not avoiding anything. And the big fight now is happening. It's a, it's a negator battle finally. And uh, Foucault is explaining basically to Void, like, hey, here's what you do. Here, you're, you are unavoidable. <laughs> everything you do, you'll negate my ability to avoid. And I'm unluck. And then I negate your luck and everything like that. And she just says, like, hey, like, you know, you could rest easy, though. Because even though this is very different, you're still fighting. It's just in a different world. Your boxing won't end if you come over here. And she does a Dempsey roll. It's it's super crazy. We get a little bit more of the flashback as this cop is telling him, like, hey, here's, here's you know, boxing. You should give it a try. Uh, we don't see his face. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll find out, like, oh, my God. It was, um, it would be a crazy person. Uh, Jack Nicholson. That would be wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's called boxing. You want to give it a try? <laughs> Uh, I run an illegal fight ring. <laughs> um, so everything's kind of going back and forth, and Void just finally starts shouting, like because or um, like Fuko's getting her shit pushed in, but they keep using Unchanged to like create like you know like these hands to kind of keep her from falling down, so she stays in the fight. And you know, Void's just like, I don't know about this negation or whatever the hell it is. It doesn't mean a thing to me, but it still exists, right? A world where I'm allowed to be? And Fuko is like, yes, your next ring will be planet Earth. And I had to cry a little bit there. <laughs> it's a very sweet sentiment. <laughs> like, he has a new place. His new, his new ring is, is Earth. Uh, they do, like, a bad bullet, you know, tape. Puts a little tape on his head so, like, uh, a, a stage light falls down. And we get an amazing one-page spread of Fuko and Void punching each other. And the speed... 
cross counter. And the speed lines are the lights from the uh, the the light that fell from the ceiling. It's a very cool visual image. It's yeah, awesome. Uh, and in the end, uh, Fuko is still standing, but is unconscious. She is she is she has been yeah. disqualified. The reigning champion is Void Volks. No one can stop him. Uh, but even he acknowledges that this cheering is meant for her. And uh, immediately after the fight, we we see like the rest of the members of Union come up. They're like, "Void Volks, you're coming with us." Unchanged puts like little like unchanged handcuffs on him. He's like, "Oh, whatever, sure. Where are we going?" And they, you know, the move opens up. They go through the floor and they show up at the round table. Apocalypse is there, and he's like, "Made it back, did you?" And Void wins my heart immediately. <laughs> he just punches Apocalypse. He's like, "I don't know what this thing is. I can kill him, right?" <laughs> Huh, a demon talking book. Uh, and the victory for capturing Void was the addition of the third seat. So Void is joining Union. He is taking the seat. He looks gigantic in it. Like he's so and big. And he just says, "This place is going to be my next ring." Right? Name's Void, folks. Nice to meet you. Uh, really, really good chapter. Actually, if we had done awards yeah. last week, Void and Undead Unluck were going to be my chapter and MVP. I really, really love that chapter. Uh, there's so many nice little moments. Uh, I like the continuing Epo references. Of course, the Dempsey roll is Epo's big signature move. Uh, I like when the they're reacting to the cross counter that Ichigo's soul pops out <laughs> <laughs> because she's the one under uh, who is using uh, Ghost. And uh, also, I like Fuko's beat up face when they're just putting high specs on her and she's swelled yeah. up everywhere. It, there's a lot of nice little visuals, along with just like a really nice little story and all the funny moments in between. Yeah, too. absolutely. Uh, so we continue on then with a cool color page where we see all the new members of Union in their Union uh, sponsored outfits. Fuko's like, fuck that. I got my one shirt. So that's all I'm wearing. Uh, but it's called. She's color coded. Yeah, oh, that's the important though. thing. Yeah. Uh, number 145 in the war. Uh, so we've succeeded on this round of quests. Every The two quests they were assigned were completed on time, so there is no punishment. And the reward for this quest, or for everything, is the location of the artifact Remember. And this is the one Fuko was very passionate to make sure she got. Um, Void is like, what is that? Everyone's like, I don't know. Fuko just says she really wants it. Uh, Nico wakes her up with some smelling salts, except uh, he doesn't use them right. He just kind of stabs her with something. <laughs> instead like he was just like hey i'm gonna do this instead um and of course like fuko is very excited she's like thank you everybody it's all because of you we were able to accomplish this and like well you know apocalypse is like just you wait three months from now you're all going to die and they're like hey fuko what's up with this artifact that gives people memories like what's what's the deal with that essentially and uh she's like yes remember is an artifact it governs people's memories there's information from every past loop line dormant in everyone's souls, and this tool will unlock those memories. It's a one-of-a-kind artifact, and we see that in like a two-page spread where the current members of Union all are kind of juxtaposed with like an image of themselves, mostly grim images of themselves, because this is... It's all, their, it's all their dying moments. Yeah, like, pretty like. much. Because uh, this is particularly a cast of characters who all died in the past loop, so... <laughs> I mean, everyone I died, mean, but be, be, yes. all these people who died, I guess, in pretty significant ways before uh, uh, Ragnarok happened. Well, I guess Nico was technically after Ragnarok, regardless. Um, but Fuko's like, it only can be used once per loop. 
and you'll instantaneously regain a wellspring of these memories, and everyone will gain increased abilities in their gator powers. Nico and Ichika or Ichiko will gain suddenly like new intelligence. It's really, really good, but you'll end up seeing all the bad things as well. And I want to make sure we have a collective decision on whether or not we're going to use Remember or not. Uh, so like, oh, I like, you mean with like ourselves? She's like, no, I need others. And I'm like, others? And she's like, yeah, I want all the negators I've met gathered at the round table. And we get this two-page spread of what Foucault's dream is, is the, of the round table, but it has expanded every negator we have seen is at this giant round table so big it literally has to like stretch and like float into the sky and when i say everyone is there nick everyone is there i saw sean unseen he is in there (laughs) she wants to save unseen which is very cool fuko's heart is too big (laughs) and they're like well how many people is that she's like "Eh, it's about like 25 give or take and they're like that's fucking wild uh but yeah. He's pretty accurate too. Everyone's so. like, "All right, we're we're gonna go with you." Like, but wait, how do we get there? You know, like where where is this artifact? And Foucault notes like, "Oh, is this dumb luck or the work of mischievous gods?" The way the place that uh remember is is in an active war zone, and they're like, "Oh, well, that's that's crazy. How are we gonna get into there?" And Foucault's like, "It's fine. Remember, will come last." I can't believe that remember somewhere in this battlefield because this battlefield is special. Mr. Billy, Mr. Tella, and Mr. Creed, the negators affiliated with Under, the organization that at one time opposed the Union, awaken their abilities in this very war. Is she saying that tragic things happen during a it's war? crazy. That seems this so is like a new thing. I'm kind of curious to see a, like a war where like crazy things happen and like <laughs> there's trauma and stuff like it's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> uh, she notes that these tragedies will that trigger these awakenings will occur in a chain reaction. So this is going to be a negator war. It's going to be absolutely crazy. We have to prevent these tragedies and recruit all of them onto our team. And then after that, we can do a hunt for remember, basically. And we get like a cool moment from Void because, well, like Nico's like, wait, you said these guys were enemies, right? Can we trust them? And Void's like, yeah, you said that they helped you out after you duped with them, right? Adults don't change their ways easily. So that must have been their good guys all along. And I love Fuka's little thing where she's like, yay, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Void understands me. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out Void's pretty cool. If only we had known this for 140 chapters. Uh, but Nico does bring up, he's like, how are we going to like stop this war? There's only three of you, three of us who can actually fight. Like That's not going to be enough. So Foucault says, well, we'll just have to add more people to do it. We're going to add more members all at once. We'll need one more attacker and one more support at the very least. And then we'll create a third force to jump into the Negator War. An elite Negator Squadron. And uh, everyone's like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. Let's get this mission started. Uh, we have, a, I guess, a brief prologue till we start the Negator War, where we're going to recruit two more people, and uh, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to know that, like, Fuko is specifically saying, like, no, no, we need to get, like, all 25 people mm-hmm. together. And 
I kind of buy that, like, we could actually do it at roughly the pace that we've been getting, like, consistently. Like, that's not an absurdly large number to, to like, gather a party with if we keep Literally about to get of, three like, you know, at once when this war happens, so. Right, right. So it's like, yeah, I could imagine, like, I don't know, a few more months uh, of, the, of this, and it's like, yeah, I could just, I could see us actually, like, this being the story for a little bit of time. Um, and I'm really quite looking forward to just seeing like, you know, the order of stuff and everything. It's it in a way to kind of extend the video game stuff. It's like, you know, going back to like an RPG that you're familiar with and knowing like what characters kind of do and wanting to like do stuff in a mm-hmm. different way. And, and that and there being the interest of like, oh, how am I going to eventually put together the team that I want to put together? Uh, you know, even if you're familiar with everyone already, the way of going about it is still very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's nice. Undead Luck is good. Uh, the fight was cool. Yeah. Good uh, do you have any predictions for who the attacker and support are going to be? Because I, I do. I, I do. Have no idea. Well, I thought about this. I was like, <laughs> all right, we're definitely certainly using characters who are underutilized before. So I feel like the attacker could be Yusai, right. the undraw. Because I also sure. have to think this has to be like a relatively older character. Because most of the characters I think from like Union would kind of still be like younger kids at this point. I don't remember exactly. I think yeah. there's a little bit of time before everyone's like of fighting age, uh, which is to say most of them are still children. Uh, but I feel yeah, and a lot and a lot and a lot of the older guys are the ones that they're going after yeah. afterwards. Uh, and so. then I think it could be for support. <laughs> on phil or phil from on because i'm like you had to do him eventually right <laughs> let's find out what this fucking yeah, kid does so. <laughs> <laughs> all right well yeah, we'll find absolutely. out <gasps> quinn let's talk about chainsaw man chapter 119 thief last time denji warned asa that if she broke any of the rules at their home date that uh she might die uh, so as he kind of leads her into uh, his apartment, uh, he starts breaking down the rules. First of which is don't open the door to any apartment other than mine. And sure. And of course, Asa's like, all right, <laughs> why, why would I? That'd be an extremely strange thing for me to do when this isn't even my apartment building. So, yeah. So Denji does kind of like just not say anything while he looks at her. And like, all right, that's a good point. All right, come in. <laughs> um. But apparently that's important. Um, I don't know if that's a, a red herring or not, because it feels like, you know, a thing that actually has a purpose. Yeah, probably. Um, now, Nick, <laughs> we, we get a shot of them looking at like an old like uh, I forget what you even called them. Tube TV, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Did that give you any nostalgia at all for watching television on an obscenely tiny TV? And you're like. No, this TV is incredible. It has a built-in VCR. <laughs> like, uh, the only TV I've ever had like that was one that we would take on road trips. Oh, la di da. Uh, yeah, Look at Nick. My, my brother, my brother and I uh, would watch uh, movies on it while we would be on like ten-hour drives with our parents. Uh, so we watched like Mulan. A and the emperor's new groove like 50 million times on that that's thing. pretty sweet that's a nice memory did you also have a fart calendar yeah. no oh. definitely Weird. not <laughs> <laughs> 
of course, and of course, Denji's a fartier boy. Then uh, a little bit, yeah. So, uh, Asa's looking around, and uh, Denji realizes one of the other rules, which is, oh, don't don't open the fridge. And Asa's like, okay, it's common sense not to open someone else's fridge. Which, I mean, yeah, if you're if you're a stranger, I, I definitely that's presumptive to, to do that. But uh, Denji says, okay, look, rule number three is the most important one. My roommate is out walking the dogs. She'll be home soon. And she's a huge problem child with an extreme personality. Fair description. No matter what, don't make out with me in front of her. So fucking weird. <laughs> so Asa has a pretty normal reaction to this, which is like, excuse me? I'm not going to make That's, out to... What the fuck do you think about It's great me? you get into the two levels the first. It's like, what? And then it's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why would you assume that's happening? Yeah, and then she's like, oh, I mean, I know, but, you know, like, it's possible that we could. It's like, no, in your dreams. You think I like you? I don't like you. <laughs> and then, so, you know, Asa is a teenage girl who has confused feelings right now. Yes. And Denji, to his credit, does defend himself with... I mean, you asked me on a date, so I figured you must, like, 90% like me. And I was just like, no, I hate you. <laughs> Which Denji seems a little bit hurt by, but mostly just shocked. And then Asa's like, well, all right. Look, you got rules that you have to obey or you die. So I've also got rules. So you should just stay away from me, Denji, or you'll wind up dead. I only went on a date with you because I wanted a distraction and I'm going to leave after the movie. But things are it's, awkward and quiet. This is like one of the fucking funniest things in the world to me. <laughs> Poor Digi. He realizes after they start watching the movie again. Wait, what? <laughs> Isn't it like normal to ask someone on a date because you like them? Did I do something wrong? Was it the feeding her starfish thing? <laughs> no, Denji, that was sweet and wonderful. That wasn't it. But, and then he also says, somebody once told me that I smell like a dog, and I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> but maybe they just meant I stink. Maybe she hates me because I stink. Oh, well, I guess if I stink, then that's that. <laughs> no! <laughs> nope, there's nothing you can do. Denji! Denji, stop being a teenage boy. <laughs> then he says, like, well, maybe I shouldn't sleep with the dogs. Wait a sec. Dogs don't sleep. <laughs> this boy. <laughs> this is where it's the funniest thing in the fucking world to me. Because his next shot is him turning and saying, like, hey, dogs don't stink, right? So if you stink. follow the conversation, the last time Denji spoke was with him saying, what? You hate me? And then there's silence. <laughs> And my poor dumb little boy goes through an entire, goes through an entire conversation just to himself. And then the end, he's like, dogs don't stink. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, like, it was man. like, uh, oh, my God. It's pure, like, moron sexual stuff at this point. Like, there's no oh, way. Like, Asa has to just be like, this motherfucker asked me who the pink, what kind of animal the pink panther is, and now I dream of kissing him under the moonlight or whatever it was. 
Oh, Asa, it doesn't matter what she thinks. Because Yoru's like, I know what I'm fucking doing. Takes over the body. Just as Denji has turned her to say, wait, dogs don't stink, right? And she leans in, puts her hands on Denji, and kisses him full on the mouth. Like, full on, like, sensual closing the eyes while Denji's eyes are still wide with the comment he was just making. And, of course, the door opens up. And dogs rush in and interrupt the, uh, not even making out, just like heavily kissed once couple. And baby Makima is there and she points it at Yoru and says, thief. And a chain sprouts from her finger and goes through Yoru's head. And that's the chapter because... While the dogs, by the way, are seemingly ignorant of what has just happened, because they're all just the dogs are cool with just like they're like, I love this. What's going on? We just came back from a walk. It's exciting. Yep. So, um, good job, Yaru. You fucked it up again. There were three rules, and one of them seemed really hard to break, and you somehow find a way. (laughs) Like just immediately, boom. Like, she's going to get up from this, immediately go to the refrigerator and open it up, and then go outside and open all the other apartments up, too. Be like, oh, she's just a chaos um, monster. This is such a Chainsaw Man chapter where it seems like just silly, innocent fun through almost all of it, and then it ends on a, oh, shit, everything's going to explode note. And I guess we'll find out what happens next. Fujimoto uh, is so <laughs> freaking good at like just writing like a compelling cliffhanger. Because again, like I spent almost the entire chapter just like being like, "This is funny. This is silly. This is so goofy." And then like the end, the half you're like, "What? She's casting him? This is crazy!" And then boom, chain through the head, and you're like, "All right, I'll wait till next chapter." Um, there's there's a lot of little oh. notes too. Uh, besides the fart calendar, which everyone of course loves. Uh, this is just little details like both of them have a plant but the Yuta's plant is dying uh, she doesn't take as, as well mm-hmm. care of it but Denji's plant is still Denji's plant is thriving uh, there's a lot of job. stickers on the door and they're all at like kid height uh, and I was like I don't know oh, I there's like a lot of like that. little cute, cute details and stuff like that going on so oh yeah you can see them on the inside yeah. of the door so yeah. good chapter really really had fun with it yep we'll see uh, how badly things turn out from here um, is Nayuta going to fuck up uh, Yoru? Uh, what's going to happen after Yoru probably realizes that, oh, there's a devil living with Denji. I feel like we're lives. very quickly reaching the point where, like, someone... It's gotta be on the the, the Yoru-Asa side. It's gotta be like, okay, something is really up with this guy. Something must be up, yeah. Okay, Kaiju number eight, chapter 79. Uh, Kikoru is in trouble as she is fighting with Kaiju number 15, who uh, has just picked up a bunch of stuff with tendrils and is trying to smash her with them. Uh, and Kikoru manages to dodge out of the way just for Kaiju number 15 to just immediately rush in, grab her by the face, like kind of intimately. And then he shifts her face to, you know, blast her in the goddamn head. Uh, and Kikoro has to just lift her arm up to block it. She can't get away in time. So she's buffeted into the ground. There's all sorts of damage reports that come in about how her right arm is damaged and everything. Uh, there's a brief 
note that the guy that that one scientist guy that was there when Isao died fighting, he's now also supporting Kikoru now. And it's like, okay, but I don't know this guy's name. Uh, so I don't, I'm not really that connected to him pressing buttons in order to support Kikoru, unfortunately. Uh, but there is damage reports coming in on all the damage to her body. Uh, also, uh, the vice director guy, uh, says, okay, we've got to send some reinforcements in order to help Kikoru, uh, just lower the defense of the base in order to do it. But Kikoru gets on the horn and says, no, hold on. Cause Kaiju number nine will capitalize on our defenses lowering. If you do that, I will beat this thing. I'm so close. And her unleashed combat potential has risen all the way up to 88%, pretty, which is pretty very good. high. Uh, and she says, I'm almost there, just a little bit more, and I'll be able to catch up. And we find out that she's seeing her mother Hikari's ghost. And I, this actually makes perfect sense to me as a person who has played uh, time trials. In this is actually, I think, a very cool thing. But I do want to comment that that one guy who only could ever comment on the fact that like a Shao and uh, Kikoru's mother are dead is also it seems like he literally cannot have a line that is not like referencing the fact that one of the two of them is dead or something like that. Yeah, and so she she explained this to Narumi at some point during their train. Like, yeah, sometimes when I've got the the numbers weapon equipped, I actually start to see my mother in front of me. And he says, like, yeah, that's that's actually like a rare phenomenon where you see the ghost of a predecessor who wielded the numbers weapon. And the reason behind it is still being explored, but it's, it's supposedly the memory of the identified kaiju that's used in the core of the weapon. Uh, and so the memories of how Hikaru's mother would fight are still stored within uh, weapon number four. And she's thinking to herself in this moment, like I've seen her running off in front of me so many times and I haven't been able to catch up to her. She's always swifter, more accurate. Her blows are more powerful than I could muster. Uh, and it gets to the point even where she actually like sees an image in her mind of the original Kaiju number four, just kind of staring at her with a face that let's be real. Can't really be read. It doesn't have yeah. lips or eyebrows and it's got three eyes, but Kikura is like, it's looking down on me. <laughs> this, this son of a bitch. <laughs> Fuck this guy. Um, but She's, you know, in her in this moment in the present, Kikoru is just like the difference, but the gap between us is so small. I could almost touch her with my fingertips. And Kaiju number 15 launches another attack, and the ghost of her mother dodges out of the way. And Kikoru barely falls after her, and the attack like scrapes her when her mother would have dodged it cleanly. It's, it's actually really cool. Like, it's a great visual of showing like how like she's following behind in that ghost and how it is very significant. Mm -hmm. She's almost there. And, you know, in the moment where, like, Kikoro's mother would have dealt a critical blow, she's just able to scratch Kaiju number 15's cheek. But even that little injury clearly shocks the Kaiju. And she's like, it's just one little fluke to let it go to your head. But this time she launches another attack and Kikoro actually weaves out of the way totally cleanly. 
And she thinks in this moment, as she watches the ghost in front of her, I'll surpass her. And it won't be someday. It'll be right here, right now. And the final image of the chapter is her surging ahead of the ghost of her mother, which That's is so cool. cool. This is legitimately <laughs> like a very cool visual and a very cool like element to add to like this fight. Yeah, so fuck yeah, Kikuru. Kick her ass. Yeah, you go. <laughs> All right, Nick. Yeah, I like this. Very nice action chapter. Spy family. Spy family. It's mission 75. And wouldn't you know it, we begin on an award ceremony to reward Stella Star. And we did slide out say, like, Anya better be fucking getting a Stella Star. That was never a question. And then Nick, Chewbacca also finally got their medal. Yeah. Chewbacca also. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in addition to Anya, Bill from Wald Hall uh, because you know he tried to keep his classmates uh-huh. calm and, and everything when everyone was panicking and also Damien because you know he demonstrated bravery and he got the bomb strapped around his neck and Becky because she helped Anya with getting the note out to alert the police it all makes sense they all took you know above and beyond action to try and help and save their classmates they've all been ordered still a star uh Big nice ceremony, big, uh, and everyone's you know like celebrating afterwards. Anya's being herself, like I knew this was coming. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Becky uh, starts to say like, "Oh, maybe we could like get interviewed in the newspaper. I could use this to become famous and launch my singing career." And Mister Henderson says, "No, no. The, on your behalf, the interview was declined because we 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 can't let the public hear about this incident and how you were involved." In it. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. It like, adds up. And Becky's like, "Oh, I wanted to be a celebrity." <laughs> yeah. She's six. Uh. There's a brief flashback, however, actually, there's not even a brief flashback. I think like the, almost the entire rest of the chapter after this point is going back to the aftermath of the kidnapping incident, uh, like, you know, with uh, Billy being uh, escorted away, Damien getting the bomb taken off of him. And, uh, you know, the diffuser guy says, like, oh, it must have been scary for you. And he's like, ah, no, this stuff wouldn't scare me. <laughs> he didn't know that it was a fake, so he was scared, yes. Uh, Becky's father shows up and gives her a big hug. Uh, Becky says goodbye to Anya and goes off uh, with her dad and with Margaret. Uh, kids are reunited with parents uh, as they all show up to pick them up. Uh, Damien's followers have fathers who look exactly like them, except with beards, which uh, I'm not surprised in, in the least. That's how it is. Eventually, it seems like Damien and Anya are kind of like two of the last ones left. And Damien looks at her and says, what's what's your deal? And he remembers her, you know, reassuring him and holding his hand and saying, look, I know you've I've made fun of you for a whole lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm sorry. And she says, oh, you were super cool, too. Oh, very cute, and she's and she's like, oh, and you, when you asked to put a bomb collar on, yeah, was you were a big hero. And Damien gets really, you know, flustered, uh, and he's like, well, friends look out for each other like that. And Ani realizes, friends, we did it, friends, success. <laughs> the world is saved. <laughs> and so she's like, all right, looks like we're best friends. Sorry, Mama, but I win. <laughs> 
sleep with her mom. The old. And, and Damien's like, I didn't say we were best friends. And I is like, well, I'm coming to your house tomorrow. Why? Because friends go to each other's houses to play. And they introduce their parents to talk about world peace and stuff. So, yeah, immediately Damien's like, I guess that you only care about getting close to me because the, the Desmond name so much for you being a friend. But what's it even matter? Nobody's even come to pick me up. There's no point getting close to me. I don't even have a good relationship with my parents. Yeah. Poor kid. This poor it's boy. Sad. Um, Anya <laughs> gives him a, like a little pat on the shoulder, which is which is very nice. Uh, and Damien's like, "Your parents aren't here either." And of course, Yor comes it's running great. in. She's you, run you all the way see from in the home. background, like <laughs> like a dust cloud coming towards it. <laughs> uh. So yeah, she's she's she ran here as soon as she heard the news, but it, it was too late for her to come in and, and save the day. Which she, let's be real, would have done. She would have like picked up like I don't know something and thrown it, and they would have taken out all the bad guys, and it would have been fine. Um, and uh, she's like, "Are you are you really okay? You didn't get stabbed or shot or crushed or torn to shreds." Seeing her daughter's entire body in front of her, <laughs> she needs to know this. Uh, and then Anya, is, you know, she's been fine this whole time, and then it all kind of just comes down on her at once. She's a four-year-old it's who's been in a life-threatening situation. Heartbreaking and so sweet, because yeah, it's just like, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you're like, she is a child. She just loses it and just, you know, starts crying. It's run, runs in yours arms. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, and Henderson is, is still observing this. Is like, oh, good, she is a regular. <laughs> she, is, she is a human <laughs> child after all. She has. <laughs> Normal age appropriate responses to things. Whew. Uh turns out that uh Lloyd was also there. Uh he was ready to jump in if it was absolutely necessary. He was in disguise. Yanni realizes this because she reads his mind in the distance. Um he's there with a fellow agent who says, Oh, you know, like you could do the big tearful reunion thing too. And Lloyd distances himself, says Dr. Lloyd Forge is supposed to be on a business trip right now. There's no way he could have possibly returned in time. So I'll, you know, make it up to her some other way, but I can't make an appearance here. Ever the professional. Uh, ever I, I do want like a sweet scene with him and Anya, though. Like I do like I want something like that to happen. I just want him to be. To admit be a dad be a loving dad you are just admit it be a dad and be a dad and a husband just just do it just you want to i know you want to <laughs> uh but anya immediately hears that she's gonna get her favorite meal i was like yay um your rec realizes who damon is and she says oh i saw melinda's car on the way here while i was running <laughs> she outran the car obviously <laughs> So Melinda Desmond is seemingly like the last parent to arrive. She runs out of the car, calling out Damien's name, embraces him. And uh, Damien is shocked to see her. Uh, But she says, I only just heard the news. I'm so sorry for being late. And Anya can read her mind. This is the first time that she has encountered Melinda. And Melinda is thinking to herself, just like, oh, my dear, sweet Damien, if anything had happened to you, I don't know what I would do. Um, and uh, so Anya at first is just like, eh, it's just like Uncle Yuri. You know, he's just she, she, she's just, you know, obsessed with her family member. 
uh, and, and is really, really, really heavily attached to him. But um, uh, Damien tries to play tough again after, and wipe his tears away. And he says, can you just like, please not tell father that I cried? And she gets to look on her face. It is such an unnerving look. And Anya hears her think, I never should have come here. And Melinda gets serious and stern and says, of course, I won't tell him. But in exchange, you cannot let that man know I came here. And Melinda's thoughts start to waver between if only he died in the hijacking and how glad I am that he's safe. And if only I weren't burned with this child. And Oh, he's so sweet. Just back and forth constantly all at the same time while she looks down at her son and Anya rightfully is like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) It is, it is absolutely like a stellar way to end this scenario. Like it's, it's impossible to not be like, yo, what is up with this mom? What's going on? It is a very disturbing way to end. Like what was a very sweet, like wrap up for this chapter of like, Oh, everyone got their little awards. And Anya got a little cry in. It's like happy family. We know Lloyd was always watching over her. Like, very sweet all around and it's like desmond's mom shows up she's fucked up (laughs) it's like ooh, yeah so this is i mean like she is since her introduction been a very interesting character and this only makes her more so uh so this is yeah very intriguing way to end off this arc and i can't wait to see where we go next stuff this is this is an excellent arc this is maybe spy family's best it was good all right Let's do a couple chapters of Akane Banashi. This is Akane's big performance of fetching tea after she has seemingly cracked the code and found her great way of performing it. Uh, the first of the two chapters is Fit 47, fetching tea. We see uh, a conversation taking place between Rokuro and uh, Master Isashi. I forget his name. Um, and they're kind of like discussing over like the fact that Akane is going to be performing this and Rokuro talks about like, her history with him and everything. Um, and he says, like, I know why I, I, I'm wondering if she understands why you had to be harsh with her. And when she want to show you that she's what she's learned and everything. And uh, he's like, yeah, um, it, I, it would be nice that turned out to be the case. Uh, and I will be watching her from the wings. I just hope my concerns are for nothing. So we're continuing this thread of like her connection to Akana. Like, it's not just one thing where, she disappointed him once, and then he was done with her. So it kind of takes the stage, introduces herself, sets up, you know, what she's going to be talking about uh, in terms of like, oh, this is going to be, you know, a brothel story, basically. And this is, you know, a story about an Oiran. Oiran had the prestige to refuse customers. Uh, and she starts going through the story, and she's telling it from the perspective of the man who is explaining his encounter with an Oiron. And the master is, is like, it's comparing her to Arara saying like, Oh, you know, she's speaking like Arara did, but this is, you know, quite a leap compared to even how she was just a month ago. But how is she going to play the Oiron? That's the going to be the real test. And it gets to that big moment where the man is telling the story and is like, and then she says, "Oh, let's not rush into things. Oh, you want to hear my story?" And she's really awkward and making a weird face, and everyone in the crowd just 
not really know how to react. <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? That's 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 the cutting and beguiling woman of the night that that's in this story. Um, our journalist friend says a spit take over like, what the fuck? She took lessons from Master Arara and this is what she's doing? What's going on here? Um, but every time that she goes back to it, people are reacting like, oh my god, this is so weird. And there's there's people who are like trying not to bust out laughing uh, over the way that she's relating the story. And um, people are still like, what's going on? What's she doing? And we get that answer in our second of two chapters, which is Fetching Tea Part 2. And we get a flashback of uh, between Akane and Urara. And Urara asks her, like, is that really how you're going to play the Oiran in this story? And Akane says, well, I figured it out. The story is your friend. We get more on that later. Uh, Akane keeps on playing her weirdly awkward Oiran during this story. The journalist wonders, like, what, what's she doing? Why did she go with this route? And uh, we get more of Akane's explanation, which is like, yeah, I've been trying to get into the minds of the Oiran. I took up, I looked up these tips on how to entice a man, and they didn't work. And of course, Urara's like, yeah, obviously. So, but Akane says, but when I just stopped like overthinking things and I just tried to hang out normally, we had a fun time and it gave me an idea, which is that Rakugo and people are the same. It's all in how you approach them. And we then get a flashback between Rokuro and Urara where uh, he asked her, why did you teach her fetching tea? And Urara says like, well, first of all, I wanted to see if she could actually appraise her abilities honestly and match an objective view of her strengths to the story she's performing. And uh, then, and I, and I assigned her because, you know, I believe she could do it. And since she's passed, uh, Rokuro says, I take it she met your bar. And Urara thinks to the moment where Akane was explaining this whole, you know, the, the performance is your friend thing. And Akane said, this is just how I'll perform it for now. The same way you treat people differently, depending on how long you've known them will change my relationship to the story and how I perform it. And there's this nice little montage just in three different stages of her relationship with Jumbo from when they were bratty kids arguing to when they were more awkward, you know, adolescent middle schoolers now when they're really comfortable with each other as young adults. It's very sweet. I love it. Uh, it's really nice. And Akane says... Fetching Tea is going to be a story that I'll know personally for years to come. In other words, it'll be my friend. And uh, when Urara, after Urara thought of this, she said to, to Rokuro, I can't tell if she's really smart or really <laughs> dense. <laughs> That's how you tell you're a Shonen like, Jump protagonist. It's like, this is either the best way of relating this that I've ever heard of or the stupidest. But I think she's interesting, so I'm not opposed to teaching her and kids like that every now and then. Um, and Rokuro's like, so why don't you pick out some more stories to teach her? Oh, no, no, no. I've already given her the best one I can. Remember what I said? I had two reasons. 
out of all the Kurabanashi there are, nothing suits her better than fetching tea. <gasps> but uh, she said that the story and the uh, the no teller way. didn't suit each other. Whoa, Nick. Whoa. Um. So then Akane gets to a point in the story where the man relaying the story says, and the Oiron was so happy she starts crying right in the spot. And then I noticed something. There was this little mole right next to her eye. And would you believe it? The mole starts sliding down her cheek. So I take a closer look. It ain't no crying. She had a cup of tea sitting next to her. And it turns out she was using it to make it look like she was crying. That sob story she told me was fake. And I, what I thought was a mole was just a bit of tea leaf on her finger. And the journalist realizes, oh, my God. The point of the story of fetching tea is that in the second half, it turns out that the, that the Oiron's ruse gets exposed. So the entire time Akane has been acting all goofy has been from the perspective of the guy telling the story in order to give it credibility. That's why the guy's not super, why the Oiron's not seductive and enticing. And Akane concludes like, yeah, at this point in my life, I can't be a master of bewitching allure like Urara. I don't have the ability to tease and flirt with guys. But because of that, I know how it feels to be an Oiron who's a screw up. <laughs> it's this really weirdly triumphant <laughs> moment of it. And everyone's, you know, blown away by this as she has this like acts out the reaction of the ruse being exposed and the story that she's telling taking on the life in in this way that she's found for it. And uh, Akane says, this is where my fetching tea really starts because I've been setting my sights on the second half of the story. So this is a really cool uh, sequence building this up and a really, I think, satisfying way of having her find a way to tell. Yeah, the story. I think this is like an engaging way of like adding like a resolution to this whole story. It doesn't feel like we got cheated out on anything. Like obviously from the beginning, Aurora had to have had a reason for teaching her this. Like she she must have known it. And it's nice to see the reason wasn't like, I hope she figures something out. She she clearly saw something in the way that Akane, you know, does things. And I, I like this interpretation of like, oh, this story will change with me through time. Uh, but also just like her version adds like a different interpretation to the story. We are like, oh, the reason it sounds so goofy is because this guy has been like, you know, wounded by her or whatever. He's, he's, he's being like comical in how he portrays her or whatever. It's, 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 it's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Let's blue, 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 blue yeah. box. This one I feel like should be really quick, right? Because I barely recall what happened I in the first one. I feel like. Uh, so this is, you know, focusing more on the relationship between Shinatsu and Yumeka, uh, you know, starting off when they met as kids. There's a very cute moment where Shinatsu's first learning to play basketball where she tries dribbling it and she has to get lower and lower until she's just like got the ball on the ground. It's very cute. Uh, but Yumeka is already great. So, you know, the coach is like, hey, you know, do your best to try and catch up with her. Uh, and, uh, you know, even when they're practicing, she's observing Yumeka and how she's got all this practice and stuff. She not to try shooting the basket and she completely airballs it. It's again, very, very cute. So everyone was kind of like looking down on Shinatsu because she's not improving, uh, which is like, y'all are like, eight. <laughs> yeah, <off. laughs> like, it's wild basketball. that you have eight year olds who are like, this kid sucks. I'd be like, you still have fucking placenta on your cheek. You little munchkins. Like you can't do this to her. Yeah. 
And uh, that's when Yumika uh, goes into the gym one day and Jinatsu's just already there practicing. Like, still sucks, but she's now, like, hitting the rim and hitting the backboard. So it's like, hey, practice harder than anyone else and you'll improve more than anyone else. Um, and uh, But Yumika kind of goes over to her while she keeps on just bashing it against the rim and backboard. Shows her how to, you know, shoot more properly and just like, here, do it like that. And Jinatsu's like, well, how do you do it like that? We make it go whoosh. So she's naturally talented. She's a kid. Of course, she doesn't know how to teach. <laughs> but, you know, they stick together. They keep on hanging out, uh, going to basketball practice and stuff together. And, uh, you know, you make those friends are still talking trash at Shinatsu. And she's like, hey, look, I've got natural talent and stuff. I don't know what it feels like to look up to talent, but I do admire the ability to put in the effort. Um, so, yeah, obviously. And uh, they end up kept on playing basketball together, start playing, you know, games together and stuff. And uh, Yumika got a recommendation to AMA Junior High. And one of the first things she did was say to Jujutsu, hey, you coming too? They end up going to Junior High together, playing together. And Jujutsu has been relaying this stuff to Taiki and says, you know, I thought about how I wanted to be like her. I worked hard to practice. And even now, sometimes I think... If only we had her on our team. Oh, it's a it's a real sports mug. Yeah, after. <laughs> we could have gone to the Christmas Bowl, Nick. We could we could have gone to I don't know the Koshian yeah, or something. The basketball Koshian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we've got our second chapter: excuses and sound arguments. Um, and uh, you know when Yumiko was telling her friends like. Yeah, I'm quitting. And they were like, well, what did your parents say? It's like, yeah, they never really cared about it. Well, what about her? You know, Kano. And Yumeka said, who cares? She always follows me around like an annoying puppy. I hate that. And of course, Chinatsu came in while she was saying this, possibly saying it to someone just to get her off her back instead of actually explaining how she actually felt. Possibly. Uh, But she had her friend's feelings. It sucks. Yeah. so, you know, in the present, Chinatsu's practicing, uh, and she's just thinking to herself, like, I gotta get better, thinking about Yumeka and how Yumeka would be better. Uh, but uh, at the same time, Batman team's holding practice. She sees Taiki hitting stuff a bit, trying to trying to get better as well. Um, and he does, while he's going back and forth, hitting the shellcock and stuff, uh, Chinatsu points at her shoe and says, like, you got something on your shoe which what kind of eyes does this girl have as you can see some on the bottom of guy's shoe she's got laser vision she's like hey you stepped on a very tiny sticker um and uh yeah so a sticker stuck to Taiki's shoe he takes it off he's like hey yeah I got it and then Shinatsu like makes a home motion it'll be funny (laughs) and Taiki starts to go uh, it is wait, no. legitimately a very funny and cute moment that I'm like, oh, Chinatsu has like real personality to her because I'm like, that is like a funny thing someone would do. Just be like, you got the sticker, eat it, eat it, <laughs> put it in your mouth. See what happens. <laughs> uh, so later on after practice, uh, Taiki's like, God, yeah, I just I don't know why you make a would hate Chinatsu senpai. I was like, sometimes people don't like each other, boy. Sometimes people don't like the girl that's great that you think is great. Um, but on top of that, you know, he's just like, I mean, they were together for so long. They knew each other for so long. They played together for so long. 
I don't know. Maybe she got hurt or something. Maybe she couldn't play basketball anymore and she had to hide it. And so she started acting mean around Chinatsu. And he goes around a corner and she sees Yumeka playing with a little kid. Uh, and he's just immediately like, so you can play basketball. <laughs> Obviously, yes, she can play basketball. <laughs> She's just playing pickup with a kid half her age. Uh, she gives the ball back to the kid and like turns to go away. Um, and he's like, and Ta- she passes by Taiki and they end up walking in the same direction. And uh, she's like, yeah, I play sometimes for fun. And he says, well, aren't you, aren't you too good to play just for fun? I and mean, people keep on talking about how great you are. And she just kind of laughs and says, yeah, I'm sure it looks that way to others. I mean, I do pick up stuff faster than other people and I could always make the ball do what I wanted it to, but there are tons of people out there in the world who are better than me. Haven't you ever considered it? If you just, you know, keep on grinding away at your sport, what's left of your future? If you keep up practicing every day, how's it going to turn out? It's not like you'll become a pro. Only the best of the best smile in the end. So why bother working so hard at it? And... Taiki thinks about, you know, going to meets and stuff and that that feeling. And he just looks at her like she said something really stupid and sad. And he says, what kind of excuse is that? I mean, you, you must have known that from the start. But like, you know, they're the one victory right ahead of you chasing that one ball. Didn't you do it because it was fun? Who cares about other people? Who cares if you're distracted? Who cares if you're not playing as well? And he thinks to himself, God, the answer is so simple. The frustration that comes from being so talented and then getting crushed is what she ran away from. And he says to her out loud, that's all the more reason to just keep on grinding away. You would have had a ton of chances to turn things around in high school. Of course, there are others who are better than you, but that's not the issue. It's not that. And Yumika slaps him across the face. And I love the reaction to this. First off, it's a great slap. Uh, I love the impact lines. Uh, and Taiki just has this wide-eyed astonishment on his face. Like, what What just happened? And Yumeka says, when you're not the person involved, you can make as many sound arguments as you want. And she like rubs her sleeve across her face and she's got this look about her. She's clearly been hurt and she's also really angry um yeah um so (laughs) i mean it's like i totally get why she slaps him like i think she's right to taiki is being weirdly like insertive in these moments like i know that we're in a manga and marine and arc and the characters need to do things but it is definitely a moment where you're just like my guy you have met this woman three times you have no real right to really try to dress her down like this without really knowing much context besides like what a couple friends at school have told you um so like you don't know what's going on with her like maybe like she had to dedicate her time to working at the dentist's office because like a family member got sick like you know you don't know what's going on with her you know, so fuck yeah. off. <laughs> like, I understand that he's trying to come from this place of like, 
achieving great moments in sports and like pushing yourself to the extreme is like an inherently valuable thing and he's like i anyone who was an athlete should appreciate and understand that like that passion and you know you've let go on it but it is definitely something where you're just like you don't know this girl as well as you think you do so maybe step back a little bit champ like this isn't this isn't your fight yeah, like it's just it's that tone that's in his narration, yeah. really, that I think that cinches it is like, oh, well, that's what it is. That's so like, sad. Like the fact that she's it's such a waste, like that she's and like he's like, oh, yeah, I've got it all figured out now. And like uh, there was actually like some debates in our discord chat over like, you know, the the justification of the slap and stuff. And it's like, it's just a slap. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a, it's a, in manga terms like she slapped him once. <laughs> Violence isn't great, but in this case, he, he, he needed to cool off. I feel moment. like that's that's fine. Yeah, uh, it does. It feels like that meme where it's like weird hill to die on, but at least you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Great, great okay. chapters. I uh, really enjoyed so, it. Yeah, I'm just looking at what's next uh, <laughs> now. Cypher Nick, Academy. isn't it weird that we have an entire series dedicated to puzzles, but it is not the one that we do the wrestling theme puzzle on? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, yeah, I guess not. Um, this one actually has a has a has a clue. It begins yeah. with a P too. Mm. Uh, so we got two chapters of Cipher Academy to morgue about. Uh, so first off, Toshisai has a meeting with Kagoe. There is a code that was given. I don't understand the logic of it even. You were so close to it before. You got it. It was like it's a bunch of Japanese, like JSL and everything like that. And then eventually it's like it uses the back and forward parts of the palm for it. And that connects to different like syllables. And I was like, I lost it. I get it. There's an SOS. Go ahead. Go wild. Oh, sorry. I actually was on the wrong chapter. Uh, there's a, there's a long conversation that takes place after Iroha does some ice cold reading with the glasses and stuff, and like the hand symbols go shooting up into the air and everything. Uh, I was kind of disappointed to learn that it did, it had nothing to do with actual sign language. It's just like no, if you sort it into these quadrants, it turns out it's all related to the stupid right angles thing that I did before. Uh, he sorts out everything. It's like, and so you do it like this. Uh, but he doesn't finish solving it because he's like, I can do it. I need to go deeper. I need to go. <laughs> and he wakes up in a hospital bed because he pushed himself too hard uh, from using the puzzle solving glasses. <sighs> Yugata, who has been sent by Toshisai as the final vanguard to test Iroha, uh, is just hanging out by his hospital bed and to test what he's doing after he's just woken up from trying to solve Nick, a puzzle too hard. It's Puzzle like, Academy. Puzzle. <laughs> I would not be shocked if the nurse comes in they're like, there's actually a cryptogram you have to solve on the cat before I can give you an Advil. It's just, that is how this school functions. I mean, that probably uh, is the truth. Didn't he have to solve a puzzle to get a fucking lunch? I think yeah. yeah he did. So I guarantee uh, so, I get so you can't be released from. I the guarantee hospital. every level of the school's like, look, he just got to solve a couple quick riddles, and then, and then you can get your school supplies. That's just how it's gonna be. You don't get a pen until you beat the riddle snake. Ugh. 
Yeah, so she gives him this thing, which is supposedly the letters Irohazaka in English that are also combined with the kanji for Iroha, which I don't see the letters (laughs) at all. I can see Iroha in there uh, from the Japanese, because I know that much Japanese, but whatever. Anyway, she says, I'm going to test you with a code battle. Next chapter... Kogoi wanted to talk with Toshisai, so she gave her a meet me in this room puzzle, which I don't follow the logic of at all. I don't understand it. It's it's letters and 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 a word, and it's like, oh, pakite means something. It's like wh- whatever. Kogoi is still eating corn it's dogs. Fun little she, character she, gimmick, Nick. She <laughs> fucking loves corn dogs. <laughs> her and Sonic the Hedgehog have like a fucking uh, mint made out of like we fucking shitty hot dogs is like a defining personality trait uh, so Kagoe says Iroha is keen to save a code soldier in, un- in an unknown place who's being forced to dance but to be honest that earnestness touched my heart and I want to help him achieve his goal regardless of profit or loss after all we were like that once too, right? Oh, because they were connected before, but Toshisai was betrayed somehow. And but she says, I'm not gonna ask you for free though. Your parent company is developing drone weapons, right? I can sell you just the right wars at bargain prices, and you can throw as many prototype weapons into them as you like. Alright, this is weird, but okay. Uh Toshisai is upset about this. She takes a corn dog from Kogoe in a power move. <laughs> I love how dramatic everything this bitch does is. Like, everything, like, there is not a move this woman makes that's not like got a little bit of fucking heat to it, you know? <laughs> and she says, I'm sick and tired of tailing a warmonger's butt all the time because she uses ass relief. Yeah, she's slang. all about butts, Nick. Butts and asses. <laughs> uh, so. But she says, if Yorozaka is able to repel the next assassin, I'll go along with your ceasefire proposal. And of course, the next assassin is Yumika, who is there, and she's playing around with a little, like, one of those, like, pull it apart puzzle things, and one of the pieces is a key, and the other is a lock. Ooh. Uh, But she says, it's a bit humiliating for me to have to go up against an amateur like you. It's okay if you refuse this challenge, but... Even if you've got your eyes set on future developments, this is a battle you can profit from. So you should do it. But also, I'm going to kill you. In yeah. This also, puzzle like you will, you will lose this battle in such a humiliating fashion that you will vomit every time you see text again. <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah. She specifically says there's not going to be pe- any penalties to this battle. It's just that after I've beaten you, you will not be able to maintain your sanity. What's this cool. like, what the fuck is this bitch gonna drop some eldritch knowledge on me like i solved the puzzle oh yoga smoth has entered into your mind <laughs> so you got to says like so the next puzzle is not a puzzle it's not a co- it's not a code it's a game which is we're going to divide this deck of cards each of the cards has a syllable from the japanese language written on it and we're going to divide this in half and we're going to ask each other questions and we are going to be restricted by the syllables we're holding you cannot use any syllables outside of 
what you have in your deck. It's as if, you know, like you're restricted from using certain letters now hold a conversation. Unfortunately, it is not that. It is in Japanese. So we are given this demonstration from Yugata of like, because, you know, Iroha's like, that's impossible to do. And and she demonstrates, and she's like, okay, well, do us. And she's like, okay, give me, ask me for summaries of some books you like. And Iroha's like, okay, talk about Dragon Ball with these syllables. And she does. But it's, you know, the syllables are written out in English characters from Japanese, and then it's translated what she said. And it's like, okay, unfortunately, like, I can't appreciate how clever that is because I don't know how hard that actually is to put yeah. together in Japanese. But Nick, we get to see her reference all of my favorite Shonen Jump manga, Dragon Ball, One Piece, Slam Dunk, Demon that I Slayer. I could be reading instead. Well, the Promised yeah. Neverland is one I definitely would not be. I would absolutely read this of the Promised Neverland instead. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like, Iroha's like, shit, so we have to ask each other questions so you can't keep silent and... Uh, there are so many things that I want to ask, but I have to word my questions appropriately too. But I've got to do it. Like I, I, I've got to do it, even though every instinct I have is telling me, "Don't take on this girl because she'll kill me." And, like they do legitimately make it's, this like a terrifying. Like she's just in that same pose the entire time, with like half of her face sort of turned towards him, and has like the knee crosser. I don't know why. It's like this very imposing, like. Like there's something very unnerving about the way she's sitting and staring at him. And it's like it's like the pose they give her this entire chapter, basically. It's don't get me wrong, the way this is presented makes you got to look out to be incredibly imposing and intimidating because not only is she certain that she's going to destroy Iroha so badly that he'll go insane, she is perfectly calm about it. And she demonstrates how she's going to do it without blinking an eye. Like, it's the equivalent of a guy saying, like, I will beat you in this martial arts match. Here is my martial arts technique. And he punches the planet and it cracks. Like, it's very cool. But I can't fully yes. appreciate it because of the language that's, barrier. That's, that it's, is just a factor, it's, unfortunately. It's um, I still I still enjoy it. I, I enjoy the most. It's just like... Oh, but we have to have we have questions we want to ask each other, right? And Aroha's like, I do have so many questions. And one of them's like, what's cryptocurrency? <laughs> like, wait. He doesn't know the sweet boy. Wait, you don't know what that is? <laughs> like, I don't understand if you're like, I don't really get how it works, but you have to understand what it is, right? And then I do, of course, love the follow-up question. What is a morgue? <laughs> Which I like to think is a more philosophical question. Like, what is a morgue? What is morgue? What is morgue? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No morgue. So that's no morgue for this week, everybody. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Cypher Academy next time. We got to talk about some Ginka and Luna, chapter 19 and 20. That chapter 19 is musical notes. Last time we were told that, oh, that the Pied Piper guy that's walking around the village. Turns out he's a Pied Piper guy. He's going to eat everyone. That's bad. It's not uh, good. So the group has... Yeah, the group's pulled him aside, and they're like, well, that's, I don't know, he seems like a really good guy. And the kid's immediately like, ah, you're never going to believe me if I tell you this. And Ginka says, hey, don't underestimate our imaginations. And Luna is also like, yeah, we're, we're not going to laugh at your story. We've seen all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm sure it'll make you feel better if you tell us. Good people. 
So he tells a story about how he's from this poor village, uh, you know, and everything was kind of like boring and frustrating because they had to just, you know, work all day. And then that man showed up and no one in the village had ever seen a magician before. So everyone was kind of wary of him at first. But then he started you know, growing these huge trees to help people out, giving people all this food, uh, except for uh, the kid's um, dad, who was like, fuck you, magician. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, um, or wait, was that a was that? Him? Oh, I think the kid wanted to heard about it and then wanted to be a magician and he told his dad he's like no yeah. work he's like what um, the fuck's a magician gonna first... do a magician yep some potatoes she's like dad that's not actually outside of the realm of possibilities like get the fuck out into the field <laughs> <laughs> don't you sass me with this infinite supply of food nonsense hornswoggle and poppycock you take this goddamn break and rake up some fucking potatoes <laughs> rake up some potatoes <laughs> Look, they fell from the potato tree. We gotta rake them up. My dad's not a very good farmer. We don't get to eat a lot. He doesn't know how different foods grow. He's like, I gave you the carrot host. Come back with carrots. Get out there and plant the stakes so we grow beef trees. <laughs> this is why we're starving, Dad. <laughs> I haven't had beer in ages. Here's a tap. <laughs> go, go, go put it on a beer tree. Like, Dad, they don't, they don't have those. <laughs> the, why is a picture of it on the bottle, huh? It's Angry Orchard, Dad. Ugh. It's about apples. What if he's also, like, intensely knowledgeable about magic at the same time, too? Oh, I see. So you think that just because you've cracked the code of the Necronomicon and you know how to raise the dead and make them do your bidding, that, yeah, that'll help you. Oh, you, that'll help you grow some apple bushes. You figured out the laws of equivalent exchange. Good for you. I've got a pair of scissors and I want a fruit tartar on my desk in an hour. <laughs> You're like, tartar is a steak thing. He's like, well, I'm still waiting on that steak tree. <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> Your baby sister has eaten in weeks. <laughs> Dad, that's a basketball. <laughs> I'm an only child. Oh, the wonderful and amazing character of Farm <laughs> I Dad. a hundred times. Oh, oh God! So, uh, farm kid was really upset about this happening, and that he didn't even realize that. Oh, the kid people in the village were really happy about having this free magic tree food. Uh, they were all screaming in terror, and when he got back, he realized that all their heads had been burst open. They were all no. dead. Um. And uh, including his dad, who I guess didn't take his own <laughs> advice. <laughs> He's like, oh, jelly beans. <laughs> uh, and uh, freaking the ma magician, I guess, just didn't see him uh, come back to this crowd of people and was just talking to himself afterwards like, uh, not enough people. I need to go to a real city. How tedious. Oh, the bodies. Go and eat your fill. And he just had mouths that he was controlling with his Pied Piper thing. And uh, yeah, so the mouths uh, ate the people. Those Fratu, how could yeah. you? You were the chosen one. 
Uh, so, um, Luna's me like, oh yeah, we got to stop him. The guard's like, I mean, it's just a kid saying, saying this, telling us a story. We need some proof. So we actually have to like approach this smartly. The kid's like, who are you people? And they're like, we're magicians. Except for the guard who's like, I'm just a regular human. I don't have magic. So fair enough. Um, they uh, give the kid uh, some food and uh, put him up for the night. And he's like, I mean, they do seem nice, but I'm not going to trust magicians again. I'm going to take care of this myself. Me, powerless farm kid. Um, and, uh, you know, he thinks back on like some of his last conversations with his dad, which were full of, you know, arguments and bad times. And I like how some of them were like blotted out by like him just having regretful thoughts. It's a nice touch. Um, and like, you know, I said all those awful things uh, and it wasn't hard for me to say them but i'd lived my whole life with him and he'd been there every day working hard to raise me so i've got to avenge him it's like yep yeah makes sense fortunately ginka uh followed him uh in ninja gear which is you know he's a he's a snowman but he he's can got do whatever you know, black, he wants he's black, magical black, black black outfit one of the mouths tries to eat the kid so ginka shoves him out of the way to save him and then stops it with just his bare hands because he's super strong and stuff uh, and just rips it apart. And uh, he's uh, like, I believe your story. Uh, so how about you do some believing too? Because I'm the great magician Lord Ginka, and I'm going to find out who that magician guy is. So, yay, Ginka, big hero. Uh, next chapter, there's some people just talking at the guard gate, and they're like, oh, man, no, the castle's super protected with magic. No one would ever barge in here. Ginka barges in there. He's got the kid riding on his back, bursts through the door. And uh, immediately they're thrown in jail after they get caught in a trap circle thing. The uh, Pied Piper guy comes to talk to them and says, oh, did you, did you catch, did, you did catch my attention when I saw you earlier. Uh, and yeah, it it's uh, Nosferatu, which is the most trustworthy of possible names, the magician. And... Uh, uh, the kid says, you massacred the people of Kaina Village. And he's like, where's that? Um, I guess that the people there were attacked by a magician, huh? Well, that sounds like a threat that I better take care of. I'll go and take care of the fiend who killed everyone. And the kid's like, fuck you! And uh, Ginka says, I mean, that was your magic, right? You tried to kill us with magic. The mouth thing tried to kill us. And he's like, oh, man, that's terrible. I better go stop the guy who tried to kill you. Oh, no, that's wild. What did it look like? And how many, how, how many inches did it miss? So I know how to recalibrate. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dodge did you use uh, so I can make sure a second one comes from a lower <laughs> angle? <laughs> uh, Luna is looking at some flowers. Uh, she's talking with the guard oh, guy. Girls, Nick, uh, always thinking about pretty flowers. Thinking about flowers. Actually, like the way they describe them, do sound like very wonderful flowers. Uh, guard guy thinks to a conversation that he had with the guild master, where she said the magical attacks are impossible to anticipate. Yet you cannot remain in a constant state of combat readiness. You must stay relaxed, ever vigilant for the smallest of warning signs. And so then he's like, "Okay, they are nice flowers." Yeah. Um, 
And a random guy approaches him and is like, Oh, those are flowers known as temperance. It takes decades for them to bloom. My, my dead wife planted them in their pride and joy. They took so it's long almost... to bloom. It would be terrible if anything trampled on them. I don't know if people are trampled almost, on it them. It really is that kind of comical. Like, I am a sucker for old men and they deserve their peanuts. But I was almost just like, why don't you put up a net over them or something like that, champ? <laughs> like, do something. Because this is obviously people are just going to stomp all over these fucking flowers. I can see where this is going. Uh, some more evil mages show up other than Nosferatu. There is a guy who is very clearly evil. He's got horns that are also his eyebrows. And then there is a girl who's got kind of a like Chinese style dress on. And they're like, let's kill these people. Dark magic. Gloom basket, which is a great name for a technique. They put some blocks on the guard and on Luna. Uh, and then Ginka shows up, but uh, doesn't show up. But uh, he says to Nosferatu back in the jail. So I was like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, you should have told your lackeys to be careful because my lackeys are going to be fine. And uh, yeah, the Luna and the guard immediately burst out of the out of the uh, box. They're like, "Fuck you! We're gonna take you." It's off. cool. Yeah. Like again, I like so. these two as like a character dynamic, so it's pretty fun there. Uh, good stuff. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. It's an all right chapter to set up the fight. Nick, we have we have puzzles. Yes, Quinn. To do. Well, I don't know if you did a puzzle, but I have a puzzle. Okay, I did a puzzle. Okay. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna be like Ruha, whatever his name is, uh, or maybe I'll be the girl. And I'm going to be like, butts, 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 butts. And I'm going to get it because I'm cool and confident. I'm going to cross <laughs> my arm and my leg. You won't be able to see me crossing my leg, but just know I've done it. All and, right. I believe uh, I'm you. ready. I'm oh. going to sass you, though. Okay. Psychedelic, potty-mouthed pair, pulverized planks in Philly. Oh, Dudley boys. There we go. Absolutely. Oh, I was like Aroha, or what's her name? Toshi Toshinatsu or something? Lady Kaiba. Lady Which Kaiba. Which one are you talking? Lady Kaiba. Toshi I'm going to call her Lady Kaiba. That's easier for me. I was like Lady Kaiba. I figured it out really quickly. I'm very smart. Thank you. That was a good one, though. Because they smashed tables. Thank you. Uh, Nick, right. I, have, I have an interesting one for you. I have a wrestler, and I'm going to give you a minute to guess who they are. Are you ready? All right. I'm, I'm ready All as right. I'm going to be. Ready and go. All right. Are they an active Uh, wrestler? Not really. Okay. Yes. Are they male? All right. Uh, when they are active, are they active in no. WWE? <laughs> okay. AEW. No. Ooh. Uh, okay. <sighs> have they wrestled for yes. WWE? Okay. Uh, have they wrestled for them in the last 10 no. years? No. Have they wrestled this for WWE in this century? Yes. Okay. Uh, have, did they win any titles in, no. in WWE? No. None at all. Ooh. Were they considered a jobber? Not like, not um, per se. Okay. Have they won... Did they win any titles in like any major companies? WCW, TNA, New Japan? Uh, yeah, they've won uh, major American titles. Okay. Yes. WCW? Okay. All right. Oh man. Hmm. Interesting. It can't be him. Oh God. 
This is a tricky one that you. I, as I said, this is okay. an interesting one. It's an yeah. interesting one. Okay. Is it This is going to be a really random Go guess. Is it David Arquette? It is not David Arquette. I feel like that actually fits fulfills all the conditions. Did he re- did he wrestle in <laughs> WWE at some point? That's the one that I'm not sure about. Maybe it was like, you know, as a one time thing, but like Okay. Because he actually like wrestles. Yeah, that's true. So. Uh, no, the wrestler I was referring to was Ultimo Dragon, who very, very briefly was in WWE. He did win a WWE did title. Yeah, he won the Cruiserweight title at one point. It's not listed in his accomplishments anywhere. I think he did. I really. He won the cruiser. He won the Cruiserweight in WCW. I don't think I would have gotten it anyway, so it's fine. So there is no way I would have gotten it. Because you're like, is he a chopper? I was like, ooh, that's a good question. No. (laughs) WWE. (laughs) But I guess uh, his most notable thing was tripping twice. Yeah. (laughs) It's not listed on his accomplishments. No, I'm thinking of when he went. I'm thinking of when he went into like the big like. We put all the cruiserweights in one. Oh, match. the cruiserweight battle royale. Yeah, I don't think you. You're not considered. Yeah, yeah, that he didn't. He never won that title. He, yeah, I don't think yeah. you're considered the actual champion in that until the end. No, he did. He did. No, no. So that was what I was thinking of. I think. But no, he was nowhere on my radar. But again, okay. it was Ultimate one of those weird Dragon. ones where it's like this is a guy with a very and then like not actively, but I'm like I I kept looking. I was like, is Ultimate Dragon still wrestling? And they're like, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, because there are Japanese wrestlers who just keep on wrestling forever, even if they're not actually yeah. wrestling. <laughs> all right, fine, you got me on that. I, I, hey, this is oh. all this is all united between us. That's my goal. Okay, let's talk about PPP. PPP. Piano time. It's chapter sixty-six and sixty-seven. Sixty-six is train station and Italy. Uh, so Rachel was waiting outside a train station. Someone with braids who has been a part of the manga that we did not talk about, so I refuse to know who they are. Uh, it shows up. Um, and Rachel says their name, but I'm not oh, going to learn. I do it. know he this character. He was like, right way, he was the character like way early on, I think, before you started reading. Who like Lucky was exactly. like, I'm gonna show you how to be a great pianist, and he did it, and it was kind of like done and done. Good for him. So they start having a conversation. Rage says, like, hey, tell me what you think about Lucky, because I wanna like know how I can cheer him up, because I love my brother, and I he didn't do anything wrong, so it's not his fault that he feels this way. Have you heard there's a genius Lucky? Uh, and the guy's like, yes. And it's like, when? When did you hear this? I, <laughs> have you been around? Uh, and Raydra says, like, look, the lucky we know is good, and good things are good. So <laughs> everything will work out, right? Uh, but um, so uh, they start to talk about, like, the way words are interpreted very briefly, which gets my head turning a little bit. Um, and they're talking about whether stuff is good. 
And the guy says, look, it's like having an angel and a devil whispering in your ear. I do feel sorry about his mother. If there's a way to work through a difficult time and get through it more easily, he should do it. Regardless of whether it's good or not, I wish I had one. A genius version of me. All right. Thank you. So <laughs> I'm gonna thanks. I'm gonna go now. <laughs> <laughs> um and Rachel says, Does that mean you love everything about Lucky too? Uh the guy's like, What? I'm a genius. You're not. Excuse me? So, but we're the same. You're like, you're like, how is everyone in this conversation very awkward? <laughs> like everyone in here doesn't know how to talk. That's the train station part. Let's go to Italy, where things are much more normal. I wish I was a Beethoven. I wish I was a Beethoven. <laughs> Why am I Donald Togami and not Beethoven? I'm Donald Togami. I'm not Ludwig von Beethoven. I can't count, comprehend the music he created. I should dun, 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 dun. That's what he says. He gets up from the table. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then Fanta comes in and he's like, oh, Fantasyland, how have you been? My name is Fanta, I am your brother, we have known each other literally our whole lives. Where are fucking you? man is like pounding like a fucking, uh, what do you call them? Not a calzone, uh, those are pizza ossies, no, um, <laughs> fuck, one of those little like cream puff things, but he's doing it without holding it, he's just shoved it into his mouth, he's like, Brother, so good to see you. <laughs> I'm trying to understand the music. You're a smart. I want to tell you to tell you what's troubling me. It's about my dream. I want to tell you about my dream. Cannoli, by the oh, way. Sorry, I had to look up. I was like, Cannoli. Italian rested desserts. I want to be Beethoven. Fascinating. He wants to be Beethoven. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I need to find that. Uh, uh, who made it an official word? Carry on, Nick. I will be here to provide commentary. Uh, okay, chapter tw- chapter sixty-seven. <laughs> Fart I think is what, what that is. What yeah. the beat oh, is? Obviously. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's it's so, probably not even like just like a stretch to say it's canon that this dude like walks around. He's like don 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 don. That's how you like. What, like what's your so. name? Like don 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 don. Not Beethoven. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's what his business card says. <laughs> So yeah, he wants to be Beethoven. He goes on about how he really wants to be Beethoven. He's like, I'm doing well, mentally and spiritually. I live in the present day. Society's evolved. Everything's different. What should I do? And Fanta is just like, ah. And uh, Don's like, I like to understand each piece I play perfectly, but that never happens. I've been playing music imperfectly. What should I do? And Fanta's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you just do music analysis? I need to analyze more. Okay. You would and never speak to a Beethoven like this. <laughs> uh, like, so, yeah. What nationality do you think Beethoven is? Because you're not doing <laughs> Beethoven's accent right now. <laughs> it's like, Mamma Mia, how dare you come to my house, which is also your house. <laughs> And you speak to another Beethoven like this? Wait, do you think I'm also Beethoven? Everyone is not Beethoven. 
That is why I hit everyone. <laughs> Get out of my house. Your house. You are not the Beethoven. He's like, I don't understand. I will only surrender my house to Beethoven. You're like, are you becoming French? You're like, what's happening? Like, I would not to let you talk to me like that. They're like, put the hand down. See if you still have the accent. Like, no, I needed this. Why? I thought you wanted to be Beethoven. Why are you forcing yourself? To- I want to be a Beethoven, but he's Italian. He makes the mozzarella. <laughs> like, oh my god. Uh, Everyone in this family's insane. Mom was lucky to die. She escaped. God. Oh, speaking of which, Fanta starts to do his whole thing of like, the audience is there to listen to you play, because, you know, audience-centric thing. And then they're other sister comes in and says you don't need to do that if what you say is true then no one will be able to play anything and Dawn not Beethoven (laughs) goes and buries himself in sheet music of of various I am a poet no (laughs) I'm not okay this is the greatest injustice that anyone has ever faced in the history of the world. <laughs> oh, Beethoven's music and Brahms and Chopin's. I cannot allow their music to not be played. People who can move the air with the notes they write on their sheet music must exist. It can be Don or whoever. I'm happy now. I'm I have done it. I play. I play. I play the Beethoven now. Everything is good. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> he plays the Beethoven, um, and flower petals construct a city. Uh-huh. I think it's cherry blossoms. Um, and uh, their their sister says, "Oh, it's cherry blossoms." Maybe because he was in Japan. The I other don't day. think we know the character. So, the last sibling's gender yet. Um, that's correct. That's that. That is presumptive of me. So the sixth, the last sibling says, "Hey Fonda, you look relieved. Don't you feel guilty? You didn't listen to anything that kid had to say." And Fonda makes a cat face at them. So they say, "So, do you feel guilty?" And Fonda says, "Well, yeah, I do feel guilty, but I'm still relieved." I'm a narcissist, after all. <laughs> He's got to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, Shikato, um, which, that, that, is a, that is, I think, generally a masculine name. So, But uh, Fanta says, you got to says to them, you got to stop firing your ma- managers. And they just walk up being like, I don't want to. You're like, oh, my God, this family is all fucking weirdos. <laughs> so, uh, yep. And uh, that's the end of that scene. After they turn around dramatically, you hit a full page spread. I was kind of thinking maybe there was something important in the image here, but I can't really see anything that seems important. Nick, you're not re- you're not you're not re- it's They're the smartest back. series in Shonen Jump, Nick. There's layers upon layers of symbolism and imagery you're not catching in this page. You should feel so if only if you were Beethoven, then you'd I could be understand. able to figure this out. I just want you to know that. Yeah. We have, we have Beethoven on the podcast one time. Is I don't <laughs> understand this. I don't read a manga. Why are the comic book backwards? 
I do not understand. <laughs> the farmer dad did not say all of these things. He is not the buffoon as though you are making. <laughs> what is this a professional wrestling? And why do you do it on this podcast? I get more Italian as I speak. <laughs> I am deaf. Oh. I cannot even hear what is happening. <laughs> Why are you bring me on an audio podcast? <laughs> oh God! So <laughs> then we cut over to Japan to close this, the the uh, chapter. There's some people leaving class, and uh, Dada Sensei is uh, standing up from a uh, seat in the class. Dramatic. Which, um, <laughs> Shook. Yep. I'm cr- I'm literally crying over here. This is a cliffhanger I cannot recover from. Oh God. Okay, <laughs> so that was that was p p p p p p p p p p p p. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Nick. By the way, it was uh the 2022 word of the year is osi, as determined by the American Dialect Society. Uh, quote, riding off of bussy, a portmanteau of boy and pussy. And now everything is a cat or a cavity. A calzone is a pizzussy. A wine bottle has a wine ussy. <laughs> so on and so forth. So now you know. Ussy. It's the okay. word sweep in the nation. Let's talk about martial magic and muscles, starting with uh, 141. Mash burned it and a hundred copies. We get a nice third year anniversary cover spread. Uh, this is a very significant chapter because Nick Mash finally beats Doom. There's, you know, he summoned a thousand copies of himself and they're all super strong and, you know, they're chipping away at Mash and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the Doom copies are like, it's over, Mash burned it. And then suddenly, like, they just start disappearing. Like, there's like a. And then, like, something happens, and Doom's like, oh, I just felt a presence. He's like, wait, why are there so few of us? We've been scattered. Wait, my copies are disappearing? And he sees Mash behind one of them, and Mash just, just shoves the Doom copy down into the ground so far they shoot out of the bottom of, like, the floating evil castle thing. And it's like, oh, my God, I've been buried in the ground. He's defeating all of us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So it has now been leaned down into one-on-one with Mash and Doom again. He's like, I guess I ought to take you on at full power and end this. Not like I have a choice. And Doom is like, I am truly grateful to have met you. Big swing. And Mash fucking leaves behind him. I don't know if there's a wrestling finisher that is like this. It's essentially like kind of like a backward stunner, not a reverse stunner, I guess, but... I mean it. I mean it's a neck. It's just break. like a neck break, but it so, comes down like that, like on yeah. the shoulder. So it's it's. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 it is essentially like you say an yeah. inverted stunner, but yes, it's it's, yeah. it's a neck. Very break. very satisfying I, uh, to defeat people with stunners. I think every manga should have at least one character defeat someone with a stunner. Um, Doom is like holy shit. This guy is too strong. Uh, what like possibly like you you have all this strength what do you intend to create with the world what do you intend to become and mash is like a patissier <laughs> and it's like what well, uh, 
And I was just like, yeah, hurting people doesn't make anyone happy, but everyone feels better after a little bit of dessert. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make fucking little cream puffs and cream donuts, and everything has cream. I noticed from his little thing. So yeah, he wants to make some delicious patissiers. Um, I don't think that's what they call them. They just call them desserts. Patissier is the person. Uh, but he's like, ah, oh, the perhaps too. I could make desserts. I could cook pancakes. And Mash is like, oh, you do you, I guess. <laughs> it's a very dismissive way to end it. Uh, but Doom finishes up being like, I don't even need my vision to see your greatness. You win. And it's like, uh, apparently there is a Japanese pro wrestler who has a move called the Blue Destiny. It's uh, a gory neckbreaker, which that is not. Ah. So, <laughs> so Mash cheated. Basically, he, he didn't call his move well, properly. Yeah, do. That'd be great if he just had no idea. He just, he just shouted. He's like, I heard a finisher. I'm just going to say it's a. I'm just Sounds cool. It's a, Sounds cool. Uh, everyone in the next chapter, chapter 142, uh, Mash burned in the final foe. Everyone is celebrating like Mash did it. There's a bunch of silliness, like victory poses. But then Innocent Zero shows up. He, you know, he does his little, like, uh, floating evil, like, fucking flame. I don't know window or whatever it is so we could talk to people yeah and he's like you all don't see but your fates remain unchanged you will all be sacrificed for my life is never ending for all and he turns and mash is like next to him and mash just has this really (laughs) unnerving face like I'm here too (laughs) and of course innocent zero is like "Uh, okay anyway you've come this far Let's let's do this until the very end. And Mash is like, how about we not? Like, if you could just ch- go home and be chill, like we could just all stop this here now. And also, it's something I have to say to you. Don't you think you've outgrown using nicknames? Like, it's a little bit cringe to still be this old and going by Innocent Zero. <laughs> and I realize I don't really have anyone around. To, like, you don't have anyone around to tell you these things. But you should consider working for a living. This immortality thing isn't doing you favors. Zero's like enough. <laughs> Stop roasting me. <laughs> uh, he fires off a spell. Mash's hand gets hit with it, and then he's like, "Oh, that didn't hurt at all." Ew! I've got old man hand now. <laughs> and uh, Innocent Zero explains that his magic advances the age of anything it touches by a hundred years. And now your left hand is nothing but a useless relic. And Mash's like, "I have my right." Goes to punch him. But he stops just before he would make contact. He's like, ooh, you have a magic barrier around you. That, that's bad. So Mash is like, huh, huh, aha, leaves. Just like <laughs> goes away. <laughs> Comes back to the fight. I like Doom's just like getting up. And Mash's like, I'm taking your sword. <laughs> it comes back with the sword. Bends it like a boomerang. And just fucking throws it into the ground. And this Zero's like, what the fuck's happening? Mash runs up, goes to punch him. He's like, ah, oh, stops right before it. But then uses that as, like, I guess, like, the, the throwaway. And, like, the sword comes up right in between Mash's punch. It finishes it. He kind of does, like, the one-inch punching. And just punches the sword into Innocent Zero. And they're like, what the fuck? That physics doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> he threw the sword... Wait, like a boomerang underground? Does Was there work? a tunnel to him, or did it dig it itself? What? Uh, Mash is like, oh, it's pretty cool. Iron doesn't age. Anyway, I hold to what I said. If you plan on fighting me, I'm going to fight back. Your face could use a good talking to for my fist. And uh, we end the chapter as uh, it looks like we're nearing the eclipse.
Yep. Uh, it's nice to see Mashal being silly. Yeah, I, I, I feel as though this was the last week we had an opportunity to get Austin on the show and be like, see, it is a funny manga, Austin. There's comedy bits. It's going to be all serious. It's going to be now. at least yeah. like two months of just serious fight, I feel like. Oh, let's get through uh, the elusive samurai where some stuff happened in these two chapters. Chapter 95, Enjoyment 1335. Hey, so Tokyuki's uncle went and go and talked to a general guy. And the guy's like, hey, I betrayed the Hojo. My my fortunes were raised and I'm going to kill you now. And Yasuye looks at him with pity. He's like, yeah, you know, you've got you're still under Ashikaga and your younger brothers with the Hojo. And and if if we're victorious, he's going to be promoted and stuff. And. And uh, so he's like, yeah, well, you know, you're, that guy's a threat to my house because he's in all, all stuff and stuff. And Yasue's like, you know, you're actually pretty disgraceful because in turbulent times, there are none who bear no disgrace. Everyone commits treachery and violence. And I'm here to tell you the Hojo can offer rewards and perks that the Mikado and Ashikaga could never provide. Namely, fun. Look at how everyone's having fun fighting for Tokyuki. Look at everyone. And they're like making fun of him because they're calling him a naked pervert apprentice and stuff. And uh, everyone commits horrible atrocities in war. But look at everyone smiling over there. Look at everyone in denial about the horrors that they're perpetrating and being subjected to. They're having fun right now in this moment. It's great to be on our side. You should join us. And um, so... Uh, that all happens. Tadayoshi is uh, like, hey, where's Mura right now? Uh, and he's like, oh, okay, he's strong, but he's stupid. I have to make sure he doesn't get any dumb ideas. And he's like, inform him that I'm considering him for leadership of the, His- of the Hisashi Bond, but if he falters, he'll lose my trust, and so he must act rationally. Uh, and then he hears that Mura is, you know, uh, betraying him immediately. So it's like, oh, yes, trust people to act rationally. That's a great idea. So uh, he turns against them and the, oh, the, the, uh, the, that, that all happens. And uh, oh, shit, uh, the tie of the battle is turning in, in the Hojo's favor. Next chapter, 96 Request 1335. Some stuff happens. A person got killed by Mochizuki, apparently. Who was he? Oh, <laughs> he's dead now. Uh, Mira uh, is leading his troops against the guys that he was just allied with. And Tadayoshi is starting to freak out and is like, oh, shit, are we not going to be able to, to win? Uh, and he's, he's like, I apologize to Uesuge as they're like, we got to like retreat. And Uesuge s- says... Uh, look, the enemy was prepared, struck swiftly. If it weren't for you, then we would have fallen even before we had a proper uh, battle. And Tadeushi's like, it's a stinging defeat, but it's all I could do. Uh, and um, so he asks how the evacuation's going, and Uesugi says, the only one who remains is the prisoner Moriyoshi Shino, uh, which uh, freaks out Tadeyoshi when he hears that. Uh, and well, we get a uh, backstory uh, about how if uh, Moriyoshi were to go free, the Mikado would forgive him and put him to use and lose faith in the Ashikaga clan, making him a greater threat than ever. Uh, and then also that my ally with the Hojo. So this is potentially very, very bad. Tadayoshi realizes all this. Uh, and uh, so he's like, if, if, he, if he escapes, he's got the potential to even rival the sun and it would be unfitting for the world to have more than one son, namely Takauji. Um, and uh, 
he apparently had a conversation about this with his brother who was like i leave it in your hands and uh like gripped him by the chin and like wrote on his face in order to intimidate him and while smiling at him and stuff and Tadio, she's like oh shit i'm i'm fucking screwed my bit my bro is gonna be so mad uh so um so uh, so this guy that we just met i think we met this character <laughs> before but i truly don't remember i'm sorry i'm not good with like history and especially not not native history as well i'm not even good with my history so um an attendant Nick, when uh, does like, when oh, does yes, lincoln show up oh god so <laughs> an attendant steps forward is like i'm here to serve you and he's like oh really so you're gonna serve me with armored men yeah i know that takachi was just gonna use all the fighting as cover to kill me so uh you know i i know how this is gonna go so congratulations your name will forever resound resi- forever as a traitor and i pity your descendants uh so he, this pisses the guy off he swings the sword in anger and admittedly very cool moment uh Fucking grows like canine fangs. Shino catches, Shino catches the sword. He's and like, ah, he's like a werewolf <laughs> for a hot second. <laughs> and um, then he spits out the sword and he just sits nice and quietly. And he thinks to himself, struggle will be undignified. I am the proud son of Emperor Godaigo. And he says, tell Takauji that one day he will be devoured by the demon inside him. When he is, he will remember my face. And then he lets himself get stabbed through the through the heart, I guess. And then he lets his, and he gets his face cut in half. Who was this man? He's probably dead now. So uh, now he's like, soon the world will belong to Takauji. So I don't care who, but someone please help my father. While you know, we get an image of Tokyuki's group celebrating the victory in this battle. So he's dead. Um, all right. So a power play got made by Takauji's forces in killing the emperor's son. Okay. Huzzah. All right. So Black Clover, Quinn. Uh, yeah, Nick. Let's talk about Black Clover. Page 349. Asta versus Sister Lily. We get a very brief moment where Yusuga opens at the start. I looked up his name ahead of time. I'm not smart and never remembered this character's name. I just typed Ryuzen 7 and I was like, yes, that one. Um, he's fighting with Ice Guy and he's like, hey, normally this wouldn't be my thing. But you gotta let this guy handle his, his, his girl. Like, that's obviously just gonna be what happens. So, uh, we cut over, asked to square off against sister. She's, you know, like, why are you alive? And, she, you know, he's like, even if you're controlled, you never kill us. She's like, I'm not being controlled. But if you're alive, it's a big problem for us. Like, why did you survive? Why did you live? This big, you know, angel attacks going on. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and, you know, she's like, you have to die for this world, Asta. You have to. And Asta's like, I'm not letting you kill me. And we get a moment where Sister, like, kind of breaks through. And she's like, it's not as if I want to. Uh, we just have like, a little thing of, yeah, Master Luscious is right. He, she's only been conditioned to prioritize that. Sister Lily is still Sister Lily. Uh, and she's just like, but it's for the sake of what everyone wants. A world filled with happiness. I got to do this. Big, big attack. I'm begging you. Please die, Asta. And Asta's like, there's no way this is right. I'm never going to forgive you, Master Luscious. I don't know why they all add Master to it. Uh, <laughs> most of these characters just call him Luscious. Well, they call him Lucius, but <laughs> uh, Asta strikes her. And he's like, please go back to being you, sister. And we end the page with, or the chapter with, like, one of her eyes kind of returning to normal. Which, of course, leads us into Black Clover, p- 
page 350. I can't find a chapter title. The Holy Woman's Confession. That's a good one. Uh, so a sister is apologizing. She's crying. She's returned to normal. Uh, well, her eyes have returned to normal. She's still kind of got like angel fucking horns and shit like that. <laughs> it's like they're like kind of slowly on the verge of melting, but they don't quite yeah. go away. Uh, and she's like, I'm sorry. I said all those awful things. She's like, I don't care about that. She <clears> explained. She's like, I was disillusioned by the nobles and the way they funded their magic-based system. That's why I joined the church, so I could help people, but there was bias there as well, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I wanted to find people if I could actually help them, and and yet I... And then, uh, oh, I should have looked up this guy's name. Uh, Ryoma, I think? Or Ryodo. Ryodo. Uh, yeah, he pops up and is just like, hey, you saved her and got tougher. Good time. Uh, this time, try to lean on the guy you saved, you know, the uh, sister, um, I think, uh, and asked. Uh, ba- well, he's he basically is comforting Sister Lily by saying, hey, you saved Asta and yeah. he got stronger as a result of it. So leave, leave yeah. it to him. So uh, to like uh, sister gives the information. She's basically like, here is Master Lush's plan. There are three days left before the final battle of Clover Kingdom before Judgment Day. Lush is getting ready. He's combining all the Zagrata siblings' magic, and with his own soul, he is going to become obscenely powerful. He can even create people from nothing. It is basically a godlike judgment, and when that happens on that day, he will intend to take full control of the world. And she even notes, like, yeah, obviously, this is going to affect the land of the sun as well. And she's just crying. I'm so sorry. I helped awaken this five-headed dragon. I brought misfortune. And is like, no, you're fine. I'm not going to let anybody make this your fault. And she kind of passes out. Uh, Ryodo is like, hey, she's not dead. But I think the only way she's coming back at this point is to take down Luscious. So we got to handle this. Uh, but Asta, in the meantime, is like, all right. But I'm going to cut down this dragon first. Because the five-headed dragon's just been kind of like, seems like you guys were in an important scene. So I didn't want to, like, cause destruction or anything like that. We were kind of just behaving over here. But if you're good now, we could start, like, we, we can get the character. Like, smack. It's a very courteous dragon, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, this guy. Uh, those are the chapters. Uh, nothing too special. Like, the, the scene with Sister didn't go particularly far basically it's just like oh she gives a little bit of detail about her life but it's not a ton to really like it's not for what seems like it should have been a core founding relationship in this series it really does just kind of feel like a nothing like it it really does just feel like oh this is aster's relationship with otherwise a background character it could have gone further i think uh especially for like how important it felt when she was like the first character we knew who got uh. turned uh that it's like oh and here's a little hint of her backstory which is just kind of like kind of what you would expect uh i do like that we do have the insight of like oh even in the church that she joined there was all that magical bias and stuff so as a result of that she tried to actually go somewhere where she could make a difference it's like oh it's nice that you know she's got that or she was willing to do that because she's just mm. a nice person and stuff I also like the fact that, you know, when she's upset at Asta and she doesn't want to fight him, the, one of the first things she attacks him with is the thing that she was always using whenever he would hit on her and she would reject him. Uh, it's a yeah. nice callback. Absolutely. So. Uh, yeah. And a cool, cool uh, way to end the, the, the chapter with Asta just looking up at the dragon and be like, I'm going to kill this thing. So. All right. One Piece. 
Chapter 1073, Miss Buckingham Stussy. Or is it? (laughs) So Stussy, clone Stussy, as it turns out, uh, used her succubus vampire powers to bite Kaku and take him out. Uh, Luji begins the chapter by saying, I can't wrap my head around this. <laughs> Tries to attack her. She uses some after image thing to get around behind him. Uh, and then she just taps him with some sea prison stone that she's got hidden in like her lipstick so that it takes out his powers and then she bites him too. Uh, and uh, that's it. He's, he's down for the count too. So her vampire power stuff is pretty yes. powerful. Um. So she's knocked the two of them out. Uh, Brooke is watching this and is like, what the hell is going on? Zoro is just like standing there six feet away from her. Is like, so you guys fighting each other or what's happening? (laughs) Um, Stussy gets on her Denden Mushi and says, yeah, the other two are asleep right now. And I believe that she is directly just talking with the uh, robots, I think. Um, so, yeah, the Straw Hats are confused still, and, uh, one of them says, oh, yeah, she's been on our side for over two decades of undercover work, and Usopp's like, wait, what, you've had a spy in this top secret intelligence agency for 20 years? <laughs> eh, I didn't really plan it that way, but yeah, yeah. Um, but Stussy says, so here's the problem, Lucci and I have the same authority level, so I can't actually override the orders he gave the Seraphim, so I can't stop them. I mean, you could kill him, but I guess you don't want to do that. Uh, so they say, okay, well, that that's fine. You've taken out those two. We're, we're going to be on our way then. Um, and uh, Zoro and Brooke have a conversation of like, huh, these guys uh, seem kind of familiar because he missed the entire thing about what the Seraphim are. And Zora's like, that's what I was thinking, especially one guy in particular. Because one of them's a Mihawk clone. So. Um, uh, 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 Mihawk clone goes after um, number three, I think. I'm getting all of them confused. Uh, and Zoro stops it, and he's like, yeah, you do actually You actually kind of look a little bit more human than him, which I guess, because Mihawk does have the weird eyes, I guess. So, But uh, yeah, they start fighting. Uh, more Seraphim are doing stuff, and um, an explosion goes off, and then they are bamfed away. I don't know what happens. There's an explosion, and then Zoro and the others are just not there. And then also the Seraphim has stopped moving. Yep. So, meanwhile, Luffy's still looking for Bonnie, but an incident had occurred, and Dr. Vegapunk Stella was nowhere to be found. Gasp! Uh, so we have to go and find out about stuff happening in the New World with Marco and Whitebeard territory and stuff. And there are some kids in the hometown of Whitebeard who are like, oh, scaly 
it was scary. And Mark was like, sorry, kids. No, it's not your fault, Marco. They said they were going to confiscate White Pia's treasure like pirates. And uh, there were some dickhead Marines. They were like, ah, fuck you. We're going to shoot you, kids. I have to assume this man is the brother of the other, uh, like, mouse-whiskered shithead Marine from Nami's arc. Right. <laughs> like, it would, what a callback thing. Fucking 800 chapters later. God, it has to be longer than that. And just be like, that guy had a shitty brother as well. It was a whole family of shitheads. Yep, and so he's gonna literally just shoot that kid, and oh, Weevil showed up and started beating up Marines. He's like, leave my dad's hometown alone. And they uh, ran off. Nick, Weevil and, might be uh, a good guy. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> so that happened. The kids tell Marco this, and Marco's like, well, I'm glad everyone's all right. But it doesn't end there, Marco! Who do you think came after that? Admiral Ryogyoku showed up and all our efforts were in vain and he took my weevil away. And while we're at it, hand over my husband's estate. I want my money. And it's the former Rocks pirate, Miss Buckin, a.k.a. Buckingham Stussy, wouldn't shoot. But Nick, is she a vampire? Mm, guess we'll find yeah. out. So, uh, yep, Weevil's been imprisoned, apparently. Uh, after his uh, fight with Ryo Kuyu. And uh, so um, Marco's like, okay, well, uh, all right. And she's like, you don't believe that White Bear and Weevil are related, do you, Marco? I mean, he didn't say anything. But you know, if you're if you're going to say it's suspicious, then okay. But she says that one person can prove it. And that's Dr. Vegapunk. It's a good thing that Vegapunk is showing up right now Once we, now that we have all these revelations that are hinging on his knowledge of the situation, his direct knowledge of them. You know, this, 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 this weevil thing, which was, oh man, a thing we were fascinated in knowing for years. Uh, just, just <laughs> also, you know, that Kuma thing that nobody cared about. You know, yeah. Um, look, so this is like a lot of people are being like, this is a big deal. I mean, th there is like a dynamic here that is very interesting because one of the five elders show up, but it was established that the five elders have a level of control over the Seraphim higher than Vegapunk. So yes. the fact that this man is here means that it is actively now dangerous for all the characters because he could take over the Seraphim. And we've also never seen any one of the five elders do anything. Um, there's also a yeah. level of intrigue because they're like, his name is Saturn. And Nick, what are the other things that are named after planets in this series? Uh, there's there's yeah, Pluto. Super weapon, weapon uh, Neptune and everything like that. So people are like, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. And I don't care to theorize. <laughs> I don't, like there's a level of me just being like, well, we shall see. Uh, I don't know if it's anything, but I, I'm, I'm more interested in the fact that since he has shown up, we have this very new dynamic going on with the level of control for the seraphim like that is now a very intriguing thing to me like there's like a battle it's a very like narratively crunchy kind of thing of just like these battling levels for control <sighs> we did it nick and that's the manga for the last two weeks we, we did, did it in a very kind of fast actually so. we got like time to kick back and relax Ah, uh, so, Quinn, yeah. tell me something. 
What what was your what was your favorite thing we talked about this week? Your favorite chapter and favorite. Uh, so as I mentioned last week would have been Undead Unluck and then Void Down About. But if I'm just gauging this week's new chapters, I'm going to say it is um, I think Spy Family, which I think came out this week. I had to actually double check on that. It came out last week. No, February fifth. It would have been this this week we were talking about. So oh, yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Sorry, sorry. I was looking. I was looking further yeah. down. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say Spy Family uh, for this week, and then my character of the week is going to be Yumeka from Blue Box because I thought that was like a very decisive moment, and she came off as an interesting character. I want to learn more about her. I am going to echo your sentiment on Spy Family. I thought it was just a great chapter, uh, top to bottom. Uh, some very sweet moments, some nice little funny moments, and then a very intriguing conclusion. Um, yeah, uh, I would have potentially actually said Chainsaw Man, but that's technically last week. So uh, I'm not going for that. My character of the week, my MVP, it's going to be Tai Yugata from Cypher Academy. I love the way that she is portrayed in this chapter. It is very cool. I am saying that sincerely. You can't take this yeah, away I, I never would want to. I think it's a wonderful pick. Uh, there were a lot of like really good options, by the way. Uh, like I think this yeah. week maybe was a little less, but last week was crazy strong. Like every chapter I read, I was like, "This is like straight mm-hmm. banger." Like Lady Nagant was like a great candidate, uh, my hero for like chapter of the week. Um, like just like going down the line, like so many chapters were just so good. Chainsaw Man was absolutely incredible. Um, Denji, you almost want to give it to just because he's such a big dummy. He's yeah, uh, Ginga and Luna was good. Yeah, just uh, Akane Banashi. Both chapters of it have been excellent. So yeah, really good stuff all around. Uh, the audience, by the way, uh, has Chainsaw Man as their chapter of the week and Void as their character of the week. It is worth noting that Vo- uh, when we take a week off, Ninja sort of rolls the votes forward. So these votes are representative of the fact that last week, a lot of people, I think, voted for Chainsaw Man. And I agree. Void last chapter was absolutely fucking awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some kick-ass among the last two weeks. I'm glad we got to talk about all of it finally. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us here for the show. We record Weekly Manga Recap Wednesdays here on twitch.tv slash T starting around 7.30 Eastern time in the evening, usually. But if you want to stay updated on exactly when we're going to be uh, doing it, join our Discord because the, the thing that we use to send out the, the, the tweet about it um, might be dead forever for stupid reasons. Uh, so... Join the Discord server. It's uh, you should. You just legitimately should join the Discord server. Like, if you haven't already, um, you should just check it out because it's legitimately just a fun place to talk about manga and and you can talk about other stuff there too. Like, there was, I I actually was very charmed by this, and it's happened like every single one. But like when a Nintendo Direct happened, we had like probably like five or six people just like constantly like holy shit like fucking fire emblem seven's coming out and you know like oh look at the fire emblem dlc and they were all talking about fire emblem that's all it is this specific channel just for fire emblem i want you to know that uh, actually a thread not a channel uh, but yeah go check out the wmr discord it is like a legitimately a very fun place i like hanging out there a lot just talking with people um good stuff yep 
Uh, yep, we have a great community, and uh, you can also through that find the Google Doc maintained on into X3i, which keeps track of uh, recommendations for future mod for us to talk about. You can add your own voice to that and say you want us to talk about something else. We are currently working our way through FMA, and uh, we want to uh, make sure that we when we talk about it, we give it the time that it deserves. So that is that is coming. Uh, but I have been sick and not in a margarita <laughs> mood for lately so i've got to get back on that um in addition uh we want to thank the people who help make uh the show what it is in small and big ways uh people who support us on patreon patreon.com slash weekly margarita which you can join and get some bonus content when we are able to get it to you uh, we want to thank Steve Mann, who makes title cards for us occasionally that you can see in the thumbnails on YouTube. And also you can check out his artwork where boobs are allowed to be drawn on the Internet. Steve Mann Art is the name that you want to be searching in order to find that stuff. Wednesday, Dutch Cheddar and Jack Stilts have also created a wonderful opening sequence for the YouTube version of the show. You can check it out on our YouTube and uh, you can just listen to past episodes of the podcast in audio form wherever podcasts can be listened to, including weeklymagrecap.popping.com, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Absolutely, guys. Uh, that is going to do it. I think we're, we're ready to get out of here. We've told our tales. We came, we saw, we conquered. We were the best there ever was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Um, we... Uh, uh, kiss kiss bang banged uh we uh at the dawn's early light <laughs> what so proudly we hailed <laughs> we did it all <laughs> um so i don't think there's anything left to do look at all we've got enough to make a blind man see yeah <laughs> everything you wish you had. Uh, and i said what about breakfast at tiffany and she said i think uh, i enjoy that film and i said well that's the one thing we got nick that's the one thing we got uh i love you you love me we're a happy family and next time won't you sing with me bye bye <laughs>